Hey there, We Can't Wrestle Podcast listeners. If you haven't noticed, we have switched our server to Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app, or go to anchor.fm to get started. Highly recommended by me and everybody else here at the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Hey, this is a national treasure, and the real world's champion, Nick Aldis, and just when you thought, that every possible wrestling podcast name in the world was taken. Nate comes in with a clinch with the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Based on Nate's unbelievable level of praise for me, I would go ahead and say that Nate sounds like a knowledgeable, smart, trustworthy human being and his expertise should be lauded and appreciated by all of the listeners of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. You're listening to the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Now it's time for our host, Nate. Hello, wrestling fans, and welcome to episode 111 of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Nate Maxson, your host, here with you. And, of course, I am joined by Aaron. Hey. Kyle Army. 111 episodes. Um, yeah, 111. And, of, and this time around, we are joined by a special guest, a guy who's been on the show before and is also our co-host on the 2300 pod it's Mr. Chad Austin of ECW. Chad, welcome to the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Hey, guys. I don't sound so special considering the fact that I'm on a weekly podcast with you and I've already <laughs> been on the show before. Wow. I guess this week we'll call it the One of Us Can Wrestle podcast. But this well, week... One of us had wrestled. Not can. <laughs> <laughs> didn't mean, I, I didn't mean to presume to, there. Sorry. I tried something today that I just realized that I can't do anymore. And that was lock up with somebody. <laughs> I tried to lock up and I, I nearly with tripped down and fell down the chair. <laughs> oh, the beanbag chair. That's my finish. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, get, I'm getting tapped out in the beanbag chair. <laughs> At least it's a soft landing, I guess. But this week, we are going to be discussing a topic that was very daunting um, for for myself, anyway. Um and I know some of the other guys have said, too, before we started recording, we're going to talk about who we think are the top 10 bell-to-bell workers in the history of the business. Each of us have come up with a top 10 list. It's great to have Chad as a part of this, seeing as obviously he has been a worker, so he will bring a great perspective to this conversation. And, well, like we were talking about before, you're not going to hear Jim Londos on any of our lists. You're not going to hear... Oh, George Hackenschmidt, Buddy Rogers. I haven't seen enough Buddy Rogers matches to know. You know, Lou says. I, yeah, Lou says. 
This is going to be people we've watched on a regular basis in our lifetimes and our generations. Um, and not and not knocking any of those people. No, absolutely not. No, no. And there are guys yeah. that there are a couple of guys on my list from the seventies that I've been able to see enough of through YouTube and the network and stuff that I I feel qualified oh. to put them on this list. But um, go ahead, Aaron. You had a thought, I think. I was just going to say, like guys like Luthez and, and Buddy Rogers and. All those you guys like that, they're we're not discounting what they brought to the business. No, but there's absolutely no way we can make an educated make them an educated part of our conversation. Yeah, like there was that fucking videotape that you and I used to watch where it was like Buddy Rogers versus Bobby Brown. Yeah. And and it was like an old school tape and we had it and we we're like, Oh, this was cool shit. And uh, it's funny that it's Bobby Brown, but we're we're not trying to discredit any of that shit. No, no. And if we had not some that guy, any that was... other people that would be upset about that or listening, because anybody that thought Luthez is the best wrestler they ever saw is probably dead. So, <laughs> of course, I, I, I wrote, <laughs> my my list is um is I consider I'm 48. And I put everybody that had wrestled in the 50 years as I've been alive. <laughs> like, because I, I, I never came George Agnes. I'm sorry, guys. <clears throat> I never saw any of them guys. So I, I consider since I've been alive, you mm-hmm. know, 50 years. That way, it, it's stuff that I can get tape on, guys. Exactly. I can find film on. That I yeah, can like- see stuff. You know, Jim Lundis. I'm not going to look at drawings. You know, <laughs> Lincoln, Lincoln might have been the greatest wrestler ever, but I don't fucking yeah. know. I, I have to go into a cave and look at hieroglyphics. Of, uh, oh, wow. Yeah. What about mm-hmm. the Egyptian prince? Well, he was great. <laughs> Back before BC, whoa, they had the BC title. <laughs> yeah, so I, I mean, um, like I, I looked at everything. My criteria was Quality of work, quality of opponent, quality of time on top, quality of influence, quality of just their whole entire body of work, mm-hmm. and how long they've been around. There's a lot of guys that you'll be shocked that aren't on my list. And when I when I ran over my list with Jessica, she was like, "Wow, I can't believe you don't have this guy on your list." And I'm <laughs> going, "Well, he only lasted 15 years." Mm-hmm. No. There's guys that had drew more money in different places than him that lasted for 27, 28 years or whatever, you know, right. whatever I mean. So it was like I had to take and, – and literally I, I did I did think that it was going to take me like forever to do. But once I started what – I, what I did was – I don't know about you guys, but what I did was I wrote down a whole bunch of names. And then I started Googling and then Wikipedia and how long they've been around. Mm-hmm. And then I started uh, thinking about their body of work because I, I didn't have time to go on YouTube and watch all of it. Right. I started thinking about all this stuff. And I was like, okay, well, fuck. I would have never thought about putting this guy on my list. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, and there's a whole bunch of guys that I really should have on my list that are on my list because I just probably one or two of them because I personally just don't give a fuck about them. <laughs> fuck. But- and just like the yeah, and to, to to the way that I kind of came at it was I watch 
of all the people that I've watched, who have I watched that? And, and I was going more bell to bell. And who are the people that I've watched that I personally have looked at them and said, these guys have the best matches that I watch, even if they're not my favorite wrestlers, you know, from a, from a, a psychology standpoint in the ring. And, and when I watch that match, how realistic does it look and et cetera, et cetera. So I think we all came at it from a different angle and I think it's going to be a cool, a cool, a cool round yeah. table here. Yeah. I mean, there, there, there's one guy in particular that I could probably throw in the top, six or seven that never was a world champion. Mm-hmm. Never, you know, he, he was, ne- he, he drew money, but he was never like, I, I mean, I guess it's arguably um, whether it was humongous money or not, but he, he, he wasn't never positioned to be the top guy to hold the belt. And, I, and, I, and I'm going, this guy was a better worker than this guy. Right. You know? <laughs> like when the bell rang, you know, nobody took a power slam, did a power power slam, better, you know, whatever. You know what I mean? And yeah, there's there's a bunch of guys that are on my list that wouldn't be on my list if you asked me who I thought personally. You know exactly. What I mean? Yep. Yeah. So I think. I mean, well, I, I mean, unfortunately, I don't have John Cena on my list. I don't either. <laughs> I can't. Jess was pissed off at me. <laughs> I think she wanted to drive to work like one day and listen to this show and hear me put over John Cena. How well, great. Oh, my, John Cena. My, my wife. Was like, I, I don't see him. My, my wife was, my wife was uh, mad at me because I didn't have Daniel Bryan on mine. However, she's only watched wrestling since we got together in 2011. So that's her scope, you know? So she was like, why isn't Daniel Bryan on there? Daniel Bryan's great, but he's not on my fucking list. It is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Make your list. Yeah, make your list. Her list would be yeah. like, you know, Cena, Brian, Undertaker, <laughs> Undertaker. Yeah. <laughs> Which I mean, Orton. nobody, nobody not worthy of being on, on someone's list. My list is just fucking, it's a, it's a steady repeat of Baron Corbin and Kenny Omega. All right, Kyle, you're fired. Chad, yeah. do you want to start us off here? Log with, off, Kyle. Your number Log 10? off. <laughs> I love you, Kyle. Uh, well, if, we're, if, if you're going to start off with me, which I'm shocked they were going to start off with me, but I, I have no problem. Um, like, literally, my list was um, number one and nine others. So <laughs> I just filled everything else in. But number 10, I wrote, um, I got I got Bret Hart. And, okay. and, and, and I, literally, I literally scratched out Bret Hart's name a couple of times and penciled in Nick Bockwinkle. Mm-hmm. Which because, I gotta scratch, um, I gotta scratch Brett off my list now because he was on my list. But that's well, that's okay. I mean, he's in my number ten, so he's probably not your number ten. But yeah, I think I think Bret Hart for what he did, his only his the reason why he's so low because I would have Bret higher. The reason why he's so he's lower on the list is because he was a he was a um, main eventer in a down period of the business, mm-hmm. and and a lot of people would blame Bret Hart for that. You know, like oh, when Brett was on top, they weren't drawing. Like Jake well, Roberts, I, they didn't give a fuck. Who did he put on top? Nobody was drawing. You know, mm-hmm. so you can't blame Brett for that. But look what he did oh. in the in the late nineties. Oh, and he always had he he. Ne- he even though even though yes, just like Flair, his matches at times there were repetitive spots and stuff. But who doesn't have repetitive spots? He had, he had, he rarely had a bad match. 
Um, and yeah, the, the nineties stuff. I mean, he has, he has one of the, we've talked about it on the show before. I, I personally, his heel run in 97 is my favorite heel run in wrestling history. For and me that personally. was more talking than wrestling, right? Yeah. I mean, well, yeah, yeah, his, his, knee was, his, his knee was fucked up and he couldn't work for a long time in 97. Like people don't think about that, but he was consistently on the show. Mm-hmm. And he was like the mouthpiece for like Davey and Owen and and Nightheart. And not that those guys couldn't talk for themselves, but they weren't as good as Brett was. And but Bell uh, to Bell. And, yeah, but, but Bell to Bell, like when Brett was in the ring, like even if you like take like his knee injury out of there, like when he was in there with Nightheart and they were tagging and all that shit. Fucking Brett was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I I've mean, never, I've never seen a bad Brett Hart match. No, yeah, you're right. I mean, he could even his um, what they call quote unquote enhancement matches mm-hmm. were weren't bad, you know, because he gave the guys just enough to make him look good enough that he had to put up a fight to win. And even his worst. Yeah, even his worst, even his worst matches are good. Like, and it's half the time it's not his fault. Maybe it's the booking. Like, as an example, the submission match he had with Backlund at WrestleMania 11, that could have been terrible. It was at least passable. I mean, if you wouldn't have had Piper yelling, <laughs> yelling into the microphone every 16 seconds, it may have even been tolerable. But no, I thought I thought it was good. Yeah, the match itself. Yeah, I mean, Piper annoys the shit out of me in that match. Though. Well, I mean, that's the, that's the intangibles. Mm-hmm. You gotta, it, it, you can't, you can't have it all. You know what I mean? You <laughs> can't have it all at this point. But uh, yeah, I I thought the match was good, and I remember where I was at when I watched it, and I watched it with a friend of mine who's as much of a fanatic as I am about wrestling, and and um, we both thought that it, we we both loved it. Like mm-hmm. Brett did a great job, and you're working Bob Backlund. In nineteen ninety, what four? Ninety five. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> like, how easy is that? <laughs> and does anybody take a better, like chest first turnbuckle bump than Bret Hart? Well, I got to be honest. I stole it. <laughs> I did. I stole it. I've done it a million times, and that's because I thought when I when I thought about it, I I, I realized that's the way you should take a buckle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why would I? Why would I turn around? Now I get. Now we get. Now we Brett get into just took that shit. Like boom! Like he, he just, just took it, man. Yeah, it's fuck. It's fucking great. I get into the weeds now here because now you fascinate me with a question. Obviously, I want to ask Chad that chest bump, that chest buckle bump. Is that? Is that? What do I want to say for you? Is that all you? Or or do you have to trust the guy throwing you into the buckle too? Like, are you able to cushion that if somebody's being rough with that move? Or I, it really depends on who the guy is. Okay. Because uh, <laughs> I, I tell you what, if the guy was if the guy was was like like vicious and stiff or rough, whatever, mm-hmm. and he threw me in, I would decide on my way to the buckle. I ain't taking this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I ain't doing it because there's no way I can get myself in position. So mm-hmm. I'd rather just take the traditional back bump, you know, right, and do it. But I mean, if the guy set me up, and I, I would probably tell him ahead of time, I like taking the chest bump because mm-hmm. what you do is you throw your arms underneath the, the ropes when you hit them. You okay. come in, and so you don't really hit it, but then you just you stop yourself using the ropes. 
and it just looks so good and it just makes more sense. Who, mm-hmm. Why would I turn around? You know, <laughs> right. You know, I, I don't get it. Like, oh, I, I'm going to turn around. I don't know. And, and if you if you guys ever want to see, like, in the in, in the top five best matches that I've ever seen, um, one of the best matches I've ever seen was Bret Hart versus the Dynamite Kid from Landover. It, and I, I was there live, but it aired on primetime, and I want to say maybe September of 86 or mm-hmm. in the summer of 86. It's on the network. Yes, I, I have seen it. Yes, you're right. It may even be it's on. Unbelievable. It, it may even be on the uh, one of the Brett DVDs too. I think. Oh, I'm is not it? Really sure. Yeah, I think so. I think so. When I when I saw that match, I was like, "Holy shit! How did Dynamite survive all this nonsense?" The clothesline, <laughs> like I stole the clothesline. I stole my clothesline from from um, Dynamite, who Chris Benoit stole it from. Mm-hmm. I stole my clothesline from Chris Benoit. Mm-hmm. That, that when you throw the guy in, and I always figured the same thing. If I throw you into the ropes, why am I standing in the middle of the ring waiting for you to come off? Right. <laughs> like, why wouldn't I charge at you? You know, my arm right there mm-hmm. to hit you. So uh, I stole that. But you watch that match, and you just go like, how fuck did Dynamite Kid survive this goddamn match? <laughs> Well, we got Bret Hart, which actually he's he's uh, on my list too. I'll mention that when we get to it. But Kyle, how about you go next, number ten? So Brett's not on my list. Okay. Well, he should be. But that's okay. However, Owen's on my list. Owen, because I feel that as good as Bret Hart, was, Owen was better. Because Brett, and I, maybe I'm speaking out of line here, but to me. Brett's matches were always the same. I I would I oh, go ahead. Owen had had the greatness that Brett had. He had the in ring technician that that Brett was, but he but he had the charisma that Brett lacked. And I, I see, I, and I said it. I said it. Early, oh, I'm sorry, I cut you off. But I was. I said earlier um, about Brett. I think that he's like Flair in that. I think that there's a case that can be made for formulatic matches. But I think that where I'll defend Brett in that is, I think that if you look at the body, the actual body of his main event matches, you will see lots of variations and him adapting to lots of different types of opponents. And, and that's where I'll defend that. He, if he had a, if he had a, an enhancement match or if he was having a blow off match on, on raw, that was going to be 10 minutes or whatever. I, I see what you're saying totally about it being the formula, but you give him take Austin and Brett as an example. I mean, you give him, you give him a 30 minute match. That's the main event. And, and you see, you see the and I'm not trying to cut you off about Owen, but I, I was just I was just defending defending the formula of a Brett match. No, and that's fine. I guess to me, when I see like with Owen, like you can pick up Owen, put him in any position. Mm-hmm. And tagged with with Bulldog, he tagged with Yokozuna. He carried Yokozuna to a lot more you know matches than probably Yokozuna probably should have had. He didn't mm-hmm. carry Yokozuna. <laughs> but, <laughs> maybe in the ring. <laughs> but 
We're not out of it. <laughs> if Owen hadn't passed away, I think he would have been a bigger star than what Brett would have been. And I am in no way shitting on what you're saying at all. I think Owen was great, but I, I just, like I said, I think if, if he's not in my top 10, he was, when I started writing my list, because I, I, be honest, I started with like 50 to 60 guys. Same way. And he was in there. And it was a toss-up between Brett and Owen. And I was like, you know what? Like, I just, I feel like Owen could have the better match with anybody mm-hmm. than what Brett. Not Brett's bad. I'm not saying that Brett's bad at all. Oh, no. Like, but I just, I feel like Owen, the fact that he could do the high-flying stuff and everything that Brett really didn't do, he just had an extra layer to his character that Brett didn't have. Mm-hmm. That that's probably based upon the fact that he had a longer um, Japanese career than Brett did before right. he was a star. So he probably learned a lot of that stuff, you know, way before Brett did. But my thing is, I, I get the whole entire thing about Brett where all his matches are the same. But all his matches are the same at the end. Mm-hmm. Look at how he gets there. You know, right. his, his matches aren't always the same from the lockup. It's always the same from the comeback mm-hmm. or, or the heat spot, you know? So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I think Owen is completely representative of the list. But, yeah, I, I think Brett – I think Brett because I think he, he started way, way earlier than Owen. Right. Like, I have tape from, from Georgia of 1980 with Brett on it. So I think he learned from a whole entire different era. Shit, I didn't and know that, Brett was in Georgia. Yeah, yeah he, 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 he was – he wasn't a job guy. He was just like he was like a um a mid guy. He would have a match with the guys, but he would lose. He wasn't mm-hmm. a job. Yeah, he told some story about how like Ole Anderson was like, "Oh, is it gonna be Brett or Buzz Sawyer?" And he saw Buzz Sawyer's match and was like, "Oh, let's go with Buzz." That was in his book. I forgot about that. I guess, Aaron, you yeah, have any Brett, thoughts? Brett worked there about three months, as far as I know. He was there about three or four four months, somewhere around that time. Aaron, any thoughts on Owen before you go to your ten? Well, I think I'm not going to dispute Owen being on the list, but I think Owen is it, it, not the. I don't want to say it like I think Owen is like Bobby Eaton like if you were going to do like a tag team wrestler it'd be like A1, AB Bobby Eaton and Owen Hart yeah he'd be like the guy like um, if you were going to pick uh, anybody who could be talented but not unless he had Jim Cornette as their vet manager yeah <laughs> like like he's not, like you know what I mean because Owen's great when he has somebody to work with Mm-hmm. Yeah, like and Owen was great by himself, but yeah, I mean, Owen probably wouldn't even have made um, probably my top fifty. But that's because I have a longer, I have a broader spectrum of of people. But it's not, I'm not saying it's a bad choice because Owen was awesome. Owen was phenomenal. Like like you know? if this if this list was best tag team wrestlers ever, I wouldn't be like in my top two. Yeah, the best but- second guy. I want before we get to Aaron's he's, number ten. I want I want you guys. He's the cleaner. You know what I mean? Like uh, I, you let I want the dog you, go in there and do his thing. You let Yoko go in there. You let yeah. Sorry. I want you guys to remember before Aaron, you do your number ten though. When speaking of Owen Hart, he is the only wrestler that can kick your leg out of your leg. Just for the record. 
Yeah, yeah, he is. <laughs> Aaron, what's your number 10? Or who's your number 10? Well, he's not necessarily the number. I, I didn't rate, rate him 1 through 10. I just put mm-hmm. 10 guys. Um, so I don't want this to disparage it, but I'd go with Ricky Steamboat. Okay. Ooh. And Ricky Ricky Steamboat is <laughs> – like he's like scratched out like four times here on my on my ten. You, so you he, ain't kidding, man. You ain't kidding. <laughs> uh, go ahead, Aaron. You could speak on your on your. Yeah, no, go ahead. Say what you're gonna say. I was just gonna say. I mean, you you talk about you talk about somebody that. I mean, there's almost he's one of those guys that like if you were gonna talk about just stri- this this professional wrestler is, is obviously a fucking athlete. Um, Ricky Steamboat would be that guy. Endurance, uh, match quality. Um, he was he was the personification, like right up there with Ricky Morton, the personification of a babyface wrestler. Um, and I never saw a bad Ricky Steamboat match, even when his back was fucked up. You know, his late matches with Austin and stuff. I mean, he was he was always on, always on, and always great. And I will not dispute. Like I said, I mean, I scratched him off a few times. Maybe in the back of my mind, I knew one of you guys was going to have him, so I'll, I'll give somebody else a little spotlight. But I think I think Steamboat's problem was I, I had him too on my list, and I crossed him out. Mm-hmm. I think Steamboat's problem was the fact that he took that he took that long entire that long break, right? Like in the early eighties. Mm-hmm. Like if he would if he would have continued through. And did all that, and then you know maybe his choice of jumping to the WWE wasn't the greatest time, and I don't know. That's not my decision to make, but uh, it just seemed like he had a he had a whole bunch of missed timing, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that, I think I think that affected him in a in a bad way because when he came back, you know he he still heard girls screaming and stuff like that, but it wasn't thousands of girls, right? You know, it was dozens of girls. Oh, there's no. There's no doubt as far as like um, overall his career, there's no doubt that them casting him as the family dude or him wanting to be casted as the family man or whatever totally hurt him. Boom, in the post. Yeah, I mean, just and, – and I'm not I'm not knocking Ricky, but I'm just saying there's no doubt. I mean, you can watch it happen. You just watch, watch, watch it happen. Well, and I think that here's the thing too. When you look at Ricky Steamboat, when he is in – I mean, it doesn't matter whether you're in WWE or WCW or wherever he might go. He is surrounded by guys like Ric Flair, guys like Macho. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the best of the best. And he was still able to carve a name out for himself. Yes. Yeah, totally speaking agree. Of, yeah. Speaking like, of, I just, like, I've read before that Steamboat was, um, boxing matches and the reason he did it was because he wanted to see how you would naturally as a human being like react react if you got punched in the face you Mm -hmm. know so it's like I've never seen a bad Ricky Steamboat match I think he's great and I, I I just that's why I put Steamboat on my list. Yeah, I, just, well, I, I don't, I don't not agree because it's your list. But yeah. I mean, 
out of all five or six boxes that I consider to check the guy in, he fails in like one or two of them. Mm-hmm. And that it's not it's not because of his ability; it's because of his career decisions. Yeah. Of when he walked away, and that hurt him because I mean, literally, when I think of WrestleMania three, that match, I don't think of Randy Savage. Right. I don't <laughs> think Randy Savage was the star of that match at all. I mean. I'll argue anybody goes, oh, did you see Randy Savage? Well, fuck you and your Randy Savage. <laughs> you know, R- Ricky Steamboat had to remember all that stupid shit. Right. <laughs> you know, fuck. Yeah, that's why I think, Rick- yeah, Ricky Steamboat is, is a complete um, professional. And yeah, I had him on my list and he, he, had, he got scratched out a couple times. That's Plus, a- he didn't draw he didn't draw money on his own. That's a good question. I want to ask, ask Chad, being that he is the actual worker and stuff and been in the ring, you know, we've heard a lot of times from a lot of different guys that you know they're they're divided on that match at WrestleMania three. Some people say greatest match of all times. Others say, well, it was scripted from start to finish. What is your opinion on that? Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I thought it was good. I thought it was really good. But greatest match of all time? No, it it, it took them weeks to put it together. Mm-hmm. Shit, you know, you give me a couple of weeks with. A guy that I thought is the best guy that I could work with, you know. Yeah, I'll give you a masterpiece. I'll put together yeah. a match because we, we can sit down and go. Well, maybe we can erase this, and we'll do this instead. You think that's better? Mm-hmm. You know, we can do all that stuff. I mean, it worked out for the best. Don't don't get me wrong. <laughs> you know, because whatever they did worked out for the best. The crowd seemed to love it, and it was a fantastic match. And it, it goes on in in wrestling history, you know, as like one of the greatest matches of all time. But I, I think I think Ricky Steamboat basically just went through the motions in that match. All right, so my number ten is Dynamite Kid. We've discussed him a little God, bit. Damn when, it! I got to scratch him off my list when we talked about Brett Dynamite Kid. Um, I would say for me, not only just the realism of his matches and and his his style, but he is also a guy that you can literally say in the business was the first of something. He was the he was he was someone that you know. There, there's a lot of wrestlers that are like other wrestlers and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the dynamite was uh, when when he was he was unique in his time and. His matches again were uh, shit, fantastic, and I mean, yeah. Granted, the later stages when his back was given out on him and stuff, he 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 had to rely on <laughs> rely on Davy a little bit. But overall, I don't know that anybody can deny that he's one of the ten best wrestlers ever. I mean, if if you really that's the that's the epitome of when you talk about bell to bell. Mm-hmm. Which you is know? like I said, that's kind of where I was with mine as far as psychology and physicality and and man, I mean, I I've never seen a dynamite kid match that didn't. I guess I'll say this well, didn't well, look look like a shoot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah like I've watched like the the three round matches and shit that he'd have with like Rollerball Rocco and in England or whatever, and it was, they're fucking fantastic. And it's it's super believable, and I know that he and Tiger Mask had great matches in Japan. But if you watch that fucking match that they had in like what was it eighty two in Madison Square Garden? Yeah, like 
those people in that audience were sitting there at the start of it and they were like, mm, we don't know what we're going to see. But when yeah, they really yeah. kicked it off, they were just like, Jesus Christ, this is fucking <laughs> These are people that have been watching Bruno for 20 years. <laughs> yeah, and they were just like, what the fuck is happening? Like, <laughs> you, if you, wanna... you could have you brought that match back two more other times mm-hmm. without having a stipulation of a lumberjack or a cage or whatever. They could have went 10 minutes the first month there. And yeah, right. the way the way you saw the people react, they could have brought it back with a fifteen minute time limit, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they could have went and did it again. Then they could. All right. Well, now we're going to go to a thirty minute time limit. Yeah. So you yeah. Pulled, you pretty much you pretty much could have dragged four matches out of that, and it's not even the main event. It's a it's a supportive role. It's an mm-hmm. undercard match, and the people would have been like, "Yeah, I'll watch this shit." Yeah. <laughs> It's because fun. when I saw it, I was like, "God damn, these guys are good." Yeah, you want to watch? You want to tell any? Um, I don't want to talk about like modern product stuff too much, but you want to take any modern product wrestler now and say, "Hey, how can we do this athletic, flippy shit, but make it believable?" Just tell them to watch that fucking match. It's, it's ten goddamn minutes, but it's fucking yeah. fantastic. You are correct, sir. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. Kyle, anything on the kid before we go to Chad's number nine? He is the kind right. that it, we were we're talking before we went on the air about Gorgeous George. How he, you know, influenced a lot of guys as far as like how to be <clears throat> the irritistical heel and stuff. None of my kids show people how how to do technical wrestling and brought it to a new level. Mm-hmm. Because gone were the days of like we were talking about, like George Hackenschmidt, where it's the fucking rest hold for you know five minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you don't yeah, get a hammerlock, the reversal. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, I believe it. You don't get to you don't get to. We were talking, you know before we came on the air about Macho Man and, and Steamboat, or actually we were talking about that before. It's like, you don't get to that without fucking Dynamite Kid. Absolutely. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah, you're correct. So, Chad, who you got next? Oh, we're on number nine? Yes, sir. All right, number nine is going to be a guy that's it's way out of my wheelhouse, but after doing the research that I did, he was a he was definitely a forefather and 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 blaze the trail for uh, future NWA wrestlers to become uh, later on, and that's Jack Briscoe. And that's another guy I scratched off one time. And yeah, Jack Briscoe. I mean, and I gotta say, to be honest, I haven't seen I haven't seen as much Jack Briscoe as as uh, someone probably five to ten years younger or older than me has. But what I have seen has been for what the style was at the time that he was wrestling. That guy was uh, uh, fantastic. I I never necessarily thought that he was a great, like his matches were that good. I looked at some of my other intangibles, my criteria. Mm -hmm. He was the guy that set the standard for the travel schedule. um, Be the guy that held the belt for five years or so and have to go all over the world. 
and wrestle the best guys in different territories. That was the guy that set the, the blueprint for the Ric Flair's, the Harley races, in my opinion. And then the amount of money he drew, it's, it's really screwed up in the sense that, you know, if you look at dollar for dollar then and now, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He, he drew a lot of money, you know, but it was, but it was, in, you know, by the time you got, you guys came along, you saw when they were in the WWE as a tag team and job guys or, right. you know, or whatever. But yeah, but he was the guy that, that literally, it, he would have never been on my list if you would have asked me the top 10 favorite wrestlers of mine. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I, I looked at the numbers and I was like, God damn. He was the guy that formulated the whole entire blueprint for the NWA title. And, and he was the only guy that I know of that said, I'm done being the NWA champion. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah I'm fed he up with somebody this. else. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> yeah, he said, if I if I hear another planter in my head, God damn, I don't want to hear that shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But most definitely, <clears throat> yeah, and like I said, I mean, I haven't seen a lot of his a lot of his work. Um, I wouldn't say I would say I've seen enough of it, but I haven't seen a considerable amount of it. But what I have seen has none of it's been bad again, uh, always believable. And like you said, I mean, the schedule, I mean, what a schedule that guy worked. And and I mean, you really don't hear I he didn't hardly ever get injured. You know, it's not like he was. Yeah, he was not like he was working that schedule. And well, I need to take three, four months off and because I got to rehab this shoulder or whatever. It was, it was night after night, territory after territory, just working the and best. And you also got to remember the only time that he probably generally flew somewhere back in the late 60s and in the mid 70s, early 70s, was when he was going to like the West Coast or mm-hmm. somewhere out there. Everywhere else he had to drive. Right. You know, <laughs> that's, that's thousands of miles a month that this guy had to be in a car. <laughs> I mean, who who would you pick if you had to drive in a car with somebody like that? You know, like, wh- what if you got stuck with a turd? <laughs> you know? Like Hunter Q. Robinson. Oh, my God. Yeah, who? Like t- <laughs> Hunter Q. Robinson, the third. Yeah. I mean, what if you got stuck? He had to drive you around. Fuck. Risco's like, <laughs> Risco's like, Risco's like, I had to spend a month in the car with the great Antonio. It was yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's why Jack Briscoe gave the belt up. Because he just got sick of driving around the country with this fucking idiot that was tired to drive him. Unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, he, he uh, I mean, I, I don't know if, did he ever work Detroit? I don't know. This off the top I don't of my head. know. I don't know. Unfortunately, it would think it would seem to me he would probably would have had to maybe at some point, mm-hmm. but not probably during their glory years, you know. Right, like Jack Briscoe versus the Sheik. <laughs> Unfortunately, I watched that. I watched the Sheik versus anybody. Dude, the Sheik, the Sheik kills people. Well, I know, but I'm just saying, I don't think Jack Briscoe versus the Sheik would be <laughs> good at all. <laughs> I bet you I bet you it happened. I bet you it happened in Florida. <laughs> I'm telling you, I bet you it happened. Unfortunately, Jack Briscoe has been lost to time because most people now just remember Jerry Briscoe. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, no, I know I remember their their um body shop. The Briscoe <laughs> yeah. Brothers body shop. You know, they specialize in rear end work. Yeah. They did Pat Patterson will help you out with that. Uh, <laughs> So, Kyle, number nine for you. He's a newer guy. 
Um, but if you look back and we want to talk about a body of work and somebody who has lasted the test of time, I can't. Chris Jericho. Okay. He's not on my list. He was, he was on my, he was on my original list of 60 or whatever. Just he wasn't because, on my list at all. Just because of length of career and match quality, he was original. Uh, uh, he, but he didn't make. I don't think he even got close to my top ten. Here, here's my here's my reasoning for it. You guys can agree or disagree, but name me another wrestler who has had the length of time that he has had, who has constantly reinvented himself and stayed relevant and fresh. Um. What in thirty years? Yeah, Undertaker. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe Undertaker, but but his absence has been longer than his. Sometimes his absence has been longer than his appearances. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he's been gone longer than he's been there. Jericho's never been gone longer than I don't know what how much maybe, maybe a year maybe a year maybe yeah a year. he's never he's never taken off enough time that that you almost forget about him. Or maybe he's taken off enough time where you just forget about him and decides to come back. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sometimes Taker takes off for what two or three years, right? I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I think it's probably longer. I think I'm being generous, honestly. You know, it's WrestleMania, and then other than that, it's when. But yeah, right. I think Jericho's. A, I think Jericho's. A, you said he's number nine. Yeah, I think Jericho's a very good choice. He's. I mean, think about it. You know, here here we have AEW. And, you know, it's kind of like ECW with Terry Funk picking, you know, having Terry Funk, the, the old veteran that comes in to help establish this brand. Here is Jericho, who AEW basically built their back on. I mean, how many it was? And you know what else? You know what else? It was great when Terry Funk, or when Terry Funk and Shane Douglas did that musical number. That was amazing. Now I'm just yeah. being a smart ass. I'm sorry. <laughs> no. I know it. I know what you're saying, buddy. I know, like I said, we, you and I have come to the realization, and we all have, that pro wrestling isn't pro wrestling anymore, it's sports entertainment, and, mm-hmm. you know, a case could be made that maybe it's passing us by, but, I mean, the fact is that the man still is relevant. Yes. And I, I got I, I got a million a million problems with that dance skit with MJF, <laughs> and I, I, I do... And that's nothing against Jim Cornette because I usually ninety nine percent agree with Jim Cornette. Mm-hmm. And but the reason why I hate it is not not because they did what they did. It's for other it's for other wrestling related reasons where I think Jim Cornette is a little more right. Mm-hmm. I I just I, I watched it and I you know I'm like everybody else now they're using the word are you entertained by it? Mm-hmm. Are you entertained by it? Why? Because they fucking did a dance bit, whatever, a skit, whatever. I wasn't entertained by it. Like, that's not what I tune in for. Right. <laughs> you know, I, I don't want to tune in for that. And then when somebody was saying about, what about the festival of friendship? You know, was, blah, blah, there blah. Was, there was physicality in that. Yes. It was an angle. Mm-hmm. It was a fucking angle. They didn't end up dating. Kevin Owens and Jericho didn't do a two-step. Fox <laughs> shot. And here's the thing, like, don't get me wrong, the musical number is horrible. There was some good in it, like the fact of them sending their steaks back, because anybody who's ever worked in the restaurant business knows 
how much that pisses you off. Working up to where it flipped into a musical, I enjoyed it, it to yeah. that point, yes. But what I will say about, to, to, to put an exclamation point on your thing with Jericho, another reason I will say you have a case for him being in the top ten is he has, again, the longevity, longevity of his career, the quality of the matches, and and he is also a guy that you put him in the ring with somebody, you make them a star. Mm-hmm. You know, he is a guy that has made stars. Yes. And, and yeah, I mean, I, again, he, he was in my original list of guys I made. I didn't put him in the 10, but I can totally see Jericho being in a top 10. Yeah, me, I mean, honestly, me too. I mean, it, it all depends on your criteria. Mm-hmm. You know, you could I, easily I, take him out of the top 10 based upon he just worked Orange Cassidy. I, <laughs> and you could easily just rip him, you know, rip him out of the headlines. Like, you know, forget about you. Why? I, no, forget about the fact that he worked Ultimate Dragon at whatever at Korokian. Right. <laughs> but I mean, you, you put him over fucking Orange Cassidy. I mean, <laughs> all I, your street cred is gone. I guess when I look at when I look at a, a pro wrestler, I not only look at like their time on top, but I look at like how they were able to help develop new talent. Mm-hmm. Were able to work with you know again, I I I'm I mean this with all due respect to Bret Hart. I like Bret Hart. I love his matches, but nobody can sit here and honestly tell me with a straight face that Bret Hart wasn't selfish in the ring. Mm. I don't know. You gotta, you gotta be more elaborate on that one. I don't even know. So basically, like, like with Bret Hart, it's like when it was time to give back. You know, even in WCW, like he just basically put his fucking hands up and was like, "Yeah, fuck it." Well, I mean, in that case, I would have too, because they're paying me three. They're paying me three million dollars a year, but they're also fucking my legacy over and booking me like shit. So eh, at a certain point, I'd be like, eh, fuck it. I don't, <laughs> you know? Hold on. And Orange Julius is a piece of shit. Hold on a second. Because, <laughs> you know, you want to say like, oh, well, they were fucking his career or anything else. He's Brett fucking Hitman Hart. You're going to sit here and tell me that if he didn't sit there and look at Eric Bischoff and be like, fuck, no, we're not doing that. Brett, or fucking, know. I'd be like, well, okay. I don't know. I don't know. But I will, like I said, I will say I, I think that you make a good case for Jericho and, and, and I can see it. Mm-hmm. Aaron, you're number nine. My number nine is Ricky Morton. Bastard. <laughs> you bastard. I had I had him in my uh in my original list. He didn't do the he didn't make the top ten, but uh, Aaron knows I love Ricky Morton. I love the rock and rolls. Ricky is is and and I won't try to monopolize here, Aaron. I'm sorry, but uh, just like I mentioned him in the Ricky Steamboat conversation, you talk about a babyface wrestler that you know can sell and get heat on the heel and perfection. Ricky Morton just do his goddamn job. Ricky Morton's fucking fantastic. Mm-hmm. How well, Ricky Morton, uh, Ricky Morton falls a little bit short. In my criteria, um, but I I totally agree. I mean, if we're talking about best baby faces, best guys that could sell, I mean, there wouldn't even be a list. It would be Ricky yeah. Ricky Morton, Ricky Morton, Ricky Steamboat, either one, one or two, and then the rest of the guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody, yeah. 
but yeah, as far as I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I have a, a, maybe that's because you're, you're subjective about that, but you know, it's your list. That's why nobody can bitch about it. <laughs> I get, I, I, really, just, I, I, I love watching Ricky Morton sell a goddamn ass beating. Like, I really do, and and watching him like try to get the hot tag to Robert and all that shit. It's it's fucking fantastic. I'm pretty sure that me and Ricky Morton got thrown out of a bathroom at an independent show in, in Maryland <laughs> because we we were caught doing coke on the urinal. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and it wasn't like, and, and it wasn't even like me and Ricky Morton went to the bathroom to do coke. <laughs> Like I went to the bathroom just and Ricky there. Morton was in there and he just invited me to do it. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, because it was on a flea market where where the where the building was, <laughs> the show was on a flea market and the the bathrooms were way in the back, so you had to walk way past the vendors. As a matter of fact, sooner or later on my Facebook page, there'll be a picture of me and Ricky together at the flea market, and um. <laughs> I, and and we had to go back to this. The guy had to tell you where the bathroom is. And I walked in there and I heard Ricky. And then he was like, "Hey, brother, blah blah." blah. And, yeah, what the fuck? Wait, wait. Then, <laughs> yeah. I, I've never done coke. I don't think anybody, any of the other co-hosts, has ever done coke. But like, on jazz, I'm saying <laughs> Ricky Morton. But like, what about a flea market toilet? <laughs> Fucking says like I'm gonna do cocaine here. Oh, it was the urinal. <laughs> it's it's right there in the back of the urinal where the little white spot is. Where you know, you 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 press the handle down and you got that little white thing and it tells you how many gallons per flush that you get. You put it right on there. I mean that's what we did. I I don't know. I mean I'm not a I'm not a regular at this. <laughs> I mean. I just, I just did with Ricky. Ricky, you know, he, he was selling. He was selling. He was selling the coke, brother. <laughs> That's why he's on one of your guys' lists <laughs> for selling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <You're selling. laughs> I don't know. Anyway, Reed Morton, I thought sold move for move, coke for coke. <laughs> no, Ricky Morton was unbelievable. Anybody else, man. Yeah, Ricky Morton. Ricky Morton was basically he 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 set the standard for mm-hmm. baby face selling. I mean, come on. I mean, there's there's not even a conversation. You, you can't even bring somebody to the table and argue with me about it. It's, 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 shut up. You don't you know what I'm talking about? Right. Yeah. Ricky I mean, Morton's the guy, and if it's not Ricky Morton, it's Ricky Steamboat. But mm-hmm. again, why? Why my argument for Steamboat was Ricky Morton had a longer career. He did it every night, every night, day in, day in. Steamboat he's still was doing it. Yeah, I know. He's doing Canadian Destroyers and shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ricky Morton's fucking fantastic. Like, um, I met him, and I met him at like a like not even talking about like his work ability or whatever, but like I met the guy at a fucking signing or whatever, and when I met him, he was like he was just such a like a such a cool dude when I met him, you know, like he signed his autograph, 
but then he was just like, oh, I'm going to talk to you some more. And, and he's a very personable human being. But in the ring, like the the rock and roll versus Midnight Express, there's no better tag team matches you can watch. Fucking Rock and Roll Express versus the Heavenly Bodies at fucking Survivor Series 93. That's fucking fantastic. Like, it's great. It's it's textbook. I mean, if you want to see if you're if if you're somebody in the business and you want to learn how to be a tag team wrestler, and I'm pretty sure even tag teams like the Dudley's done it. Mm -hmm. Look at their matches, and so this is how you do it. You know, I mean, that's why the Dudleys are so great because they've you know they've they 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 had to have watched and see this is what we got to do. We got to beat this baby face into the ground. To like make it look like there is absolutely no chance that he can come back, you know. Get, and then this, when, get this audience to the point where they want to fucking kill yeah. us. Yes. <laughs> and then when and when when they screw up, you know, and Ricky makes the hot tag, and Robert Gibson comes in, and the crowd goes, "Yeah, but it's still Robert Gibson." <laughs> it, it, it's awesome and all. We love it, hot tag, but it's still Robert Gibson. <laughs> I know, Chad. He says textbook, but it's it's textbook, man. It's it's perfect. It is. Yeah, but seriously, in the Great American Bash '86, if if you went to a show and it was headlined by Robert Gibson versus Ric Flair, do you think mm-hmm. Robert Gibson is winning the belt? No, no. Uh, but Ricky but, Morton might. But it's going to be fun getting there. Ricky Morton <laughs> might win it. Well, Ricky Morton, Ricky Morton almost did. Mm-hmm. Because remember the match where he did the he did the, the, the um the bot the, the flying body press off the top rope and rolled through, and then it became a referee's reversal for some reason. Well, that that's what that's what led to the whole Ricky Morton getting his face rubbed into the um, you know, the grout of the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, remember that angle? Yeah, and that led that that led to um because they had so many shows to book for the Great American Bash, and they only had so many opponents for flair you couldn't do flair and dusty every night that's why you got a uh, flair versus real warrior hawk one night mm-hmm. i'll say this that, like, you know ricky morton being as old as he is like when he went into that match against nick aldis like you still like maybe you knew that it wasn't going to happen but you like a part of you suspended your disbelief like come on ricky morton you can fucking do it well you so hope I'm, for him you you, you want to do good yeah you're right I mean, that's the kind of person you could suspend disbelief on. Mm-hmm. And that, that makes you want to believe in wrestling. That That's exactly what you said. You know, because you're like, yeah, you could do this. And what would happen if, right. you know? Now I and might he's have the to, kind of guy you can do that. I might have to make a case here for my number nine. I don't know if I will or not, okay. depending on what the reactions are from you guys. But I gave I gave a nod in my top ten to a guy that's still wrestling today, and that's Randy Orton. I fucking love Randy Orton. Randy Orton, I think, embraced, and and much like Cena, and I didn't have my Cena in my top ten, but I think Randy Orton is one of those modern, I guess, quote-unquote, modern guys that embraced embraced pro wrestling as being pro wrestling. Because when I watch Randy Orton, I see him... I, this his psychology is insane, and his 
the way he moves and the way he positions himself and the way I I I would put Randy Orton in my top ten that I like to watch wrestle. You know, I mean, I just I and you guys can dispute, you can agree, but I put Randy Orton in there, and he's been doing this for almost twenty years now, and I have not yet wanted to say go away, Randy. He is he is that guy that. He's that last bit of the old school. Mm-hmm. I get that's a good. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah, I get it. I get it. He's not on my list. I mean, he'd be like number eleven or twelve, but I, I get it. I truly get it. No, yeah, he's he's not on my list either. And quite frankly, he wasn't even in the running mm-hmm. because of of my criteria. But his name did cross my mind when I thought about. 10 years from now. Okay. When I, when I look back mm-hmm. and go, God damn, did Randy Orton do a lot of shit? <laughs> you know? You know, and because, you know, his 10 years has been, I, I, I'm, I don't even want to say it has been marred by anything, but it's been like start, stop, start, stop, start, stop. Yeah. And, 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 and you're right. And that, that's, that's a, he, he's definitely, a great wrestler that is a victim of the way they book now the whole 50 50 booking and yeah, we're only going to give you so much, you know, you're only going to be on top for so long and we're going to move on to the next flavor. But I just, like I said, and and again, like you've said a few times during the the show chat, it's, it's subjective. And I just, I, I, I have always, and I, I I love the dude and I think he's great. Um, When I think of Randy Orton, I think back to, I don't know if you guys remember those legends of wrestling, that they used to do on the 24 mm-hmm. seven thing. But there was a thing Ted DiBiase said where he's like, it's going to take you longer to get over. But once you get over, you're going to be over for good. For, mm-hmm. for Forever. And I think yeah. it's forever. You look at like Batista, Batista was the man like, coming out of evolution and Orton was on the sidelines and Batista came and went and Randy Orton, it took longer for him to get over. But man, once he did, I mean, it, you look it, at, you it, look it at, almost seems like it almost seems like at, at sometimes, not every single time, but at sometimes, every time they cooled Randy off, it was the perfect time to cool him off. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because now they're going to bring him back with a with, with a bigger, better angle instead of just keep putting him out there every single week, you right. know, and doing his deal. And yeah, he, and he he's clearly somebody that we all take for granted because. We're not used to seeing them every single week, but mm-hmm. yeah, in another in ten years, we're all going to be celebrating the legacy of Randy Orton. That that, that goes without question. That's not even something we even got to think about. Of course, we are. <laughs> well, I've already you, got my tux. <laughs> you you look back even when he was a young pup. I guess is the expression I'll use. But those that you know that 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 feud and that the angles and the matches he had with Mick Foley. You know, I mean, he just at that point in time, he he much like like much like Edge benefited from working with Mick. But I think almost it seems like Randy, every feud Randy's ever had with someone older than him. He absorbed something from that. Randy's I'm going to say something dumb. It's probably dumb. It's going to be dumb. But. Randy. Is his generation is in his generation's Jake Roberts. Oh man, you were, you almost nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. I got you, but I got you in that aspect. I got you. Like he's not the best in the ring, 
but psychology wise and mm-hmm. in in that effect he's better than anybody else right. like like you might not watch you, you, you can watch a show from like 89 and Jake might be in it and you watch it and you're like oh, that wasn't the best match in the world but that guy was better than anybody else in the fucking And I never movie. I never looked away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally I totally agree with what you say about the psychology wise. And and one thing I wanted to say about Randy Orton is if you were a veteran, you could never go out there and intentionally try to blow up Randy Orton. Because <laughs> he, he completely is not gonna have it. Right. You know? Wait, the way he moves, all his moves set, all his spots. There's breaks where he can he can catch his breath. He ain't got to do shit. Like he's <laughs> not gonna blow. And that that's kind of that, that's kind of that's what made me re, reminded me of Jake when you said mm-hmm. Jake because you're not gonna blow up Jake because if he has to, he'll powder. Yeah, right. and Randy's a powderer. But yeah, Randy, Randy, in my opinion, he's definitely, uh, definitely. It's going to be in the conversation in 10 more years. So, Chad, it's your turn again. Number eight? Number eight. All right, well, number eight, it's already been said, and I'm going to go with Chris Jericho. Okay. And it's only because of he, he checks every single one of the boxes. And Chris Jericho wasn't going to be on my list originally because I was taking it, like I said, seriously. But then mm-hmm. when I started looking about his longevity, the amount of money he's drawn, and what he's done, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, there's only like three other people that have <laughs> that have outdrawn Chris Jericho, you know? Mm-hmm. And one of, them, one of them aren't even on my list, you know? So I'm going like, and he's still doing it. And, right. and, and a, little bit of a, a little bit of it could be biased because I could make a case to make him higher or lower. But I thought being fair, you know, because he's still doing it at whatever level that, that Jim Cornette thinks he's doing it at, um, <laughs> that he's still, that he's still out there. But yeah, I think what he's done in in I'll, I would say twenty five years has been fantastic, and and I basically put him on my list because of the last four years. Okay, mm-hmm. you know, after mm-hmm. the friendship, the festival of friendship, and then what he did in New Japan. And then everything else, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not going to even talk about the Orange Cassidy stuff or anything. <laughs> I mean, that's all just whatever that he is, wants to do. Eh, well, and that's that is what it is, you know. In the grand scheme of things, it is what it is. And here's, I the mean, thing. At, at, at some point, at some point, Flair was getting depanced every single Monday night, you know. <laughs> True. You, you know how it works. Yeah, at yeah. the end of the day, it's worth Rolex, snack and shit. Yeah. yeah. Go from the festival of friendship where he's fucking goofy and wearing a, and scarves and leather jackets to becoming the pain maker in Japan. And people mm-hmm. believed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no doubt that he, um, he like, like we, we already talked about it, so I'm not going to waste time re, redoing it, but he's already, he reinvents himself so much and nobody, I can't think, I can't think of anybody in the history of the business that has reinvented themselves. So many times, especially in a time where information and 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 like with the internet, you can find stuff out about people. Mm-hmm. You know, you can yeah. do it so vastly and quickly 
where you can recreate yourself and nobody's going to like, you know, there, there is definitely, a, there is definitely something to be said for versatility. I mean, let's yeah. be honest. And it's work style. He mm-hmm. does, you know, I mean, if you're going to talk about Bret Hart doing the same moves. Well, same and also, also to, also to what we said about Briscoe, Jack Briscoe earlier, how many times in his career has Jericho had to take time off for an injury? Normally his no. time off is, yeah, his, normally his time off has been because he just wants to take time off. His I've contract never, expires, I mean, he doesn't want to sign a new one. <laughs> he's got the gout. <laughs> he has the gout? <laughs> I, didn't know, I didn't know he has the gout. I don't even think that's going to stop Chris Jericho. <laughs> yeah, Nothing's going to stop him, not even a raw steak. <laughs> well Kyle what's your number 8 alright this guy to me Pound for Pound is one of the greatest wrestlers of all time he's a guy that transcended his his nationality you, you know in pro wrestling we know that you know it's like oh this guy is this guy's a Mexican wrestler this guy is a Japanese wrestler but Eddie Guerrero Mm-hmm. Transcended being a Latino superstar to the point where people forgot that he was a Latino superstar. He, he was. He was obviously, as you know from knowing me, he was in my sixty. He wasn't in my ten. But I will say the same, and I'll let you guys elaborate afterward. I will say the same thing I always say about Eddie Guerrero. If there is, if I want to sit down and watch a pro wrestler's body of work and smile, I'm going to watch Eddie Guerrero. He makes me smile. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. If I turn on an old WCW, if I turn on an old WWE, if Eddie Guerrero comes on my going to stop what I'm doing and watch. Because I know it's going to be amazing. I know that it's going to be entertaining. I know that he is going to have an amazing match. And like I said, think about it. You know, he is the kind of that his nationality. Mm-hmm. I speak that enough. Like, there's very few guys in this business, or even in, in history, that have transcended their nationality. Where, you know, even the most jaded racist guy was like, you know what? I like Eddie Guerrero. Yeah, yeah. Ron Simmons, maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, or obviously The Rock. But yeah, no, I, I totally see what you're saying. Um, he. It, it, and and again, like I said, I mean, I watch him when I watch his matches. He has he has again mo- some of my favorite matches ever. Um, his he he just makes me smile when I watch him. I know it sounds cheesy, and I say it all the time, but that's just the that's the first thing that comes to my mind when I think of Eddie. Is damn Eddie Guerrero makes me smile, man. He entertains me. And if he had not passed away as young as he did, I think we would be looking back on Eddie Guerrero's <laughs> all time. Mm-hmm. With, without a doubt, I mean, he beat Brock Lesnar for the title, and people believed it. Yeah, <laughs> being the size that he was, pound for pound, I think Rear is one of the greatest that's ever stepped in the ring. Because not only did he have the in-ring capabilities, but like he could back it up. He was so damn entertaining. He was the complete package. Mm-hmm. And it I is think, too bad. I that... think Eddie, 
I, I, I like Eddie Guerrero. Um, for me, he missed the mark. Just not by much. You know, because he, he, he really didn't have a chance to be on top long enough right. to make a mark. But his body of work, clearly. I mean, like you said, I, I, I actually smiled when you said that watching him work makes you smile. Because I watch it and I can see the fun that he's having. Mm-hmm. You know, how how he's, he's enjoying himself because of, you know, the guys that he's working with and and, and how, how it's going fluently, you know what I mean? How it's working and how he's enjoying himself. And I, I smile too. You know, I've I've been I've been around Eddie uh, multiple times, and not that me and Eddie were friends or anything, but yeah, I I I I'm a guy who peeked through the curtain, you know, during an Eddie match to watch Eddie work somebody. I've done it. Eddie Eddie Eddie's a good choice, but just for me because maybe I'm a little older. That yeah, he he pretty much fell through the cracks, and it's not Eddie's fault. No, it's just because I'm a little older. Right. Like I said, when growing up, you know, like I said, I I I started watching wrestling with my grandmother. She, Chad, I think will appreciate this. Um, my grandmother was a huge Ultimate Warrior fan. She believed it was 100 percent real. Like if you watch, like you see those people who scream at the TV like during NFL games. That was my grandmother. Like anytime anybody was cheating or pulling the hair. Ultimate Warrior, she screamed and hollered. <laughs> That's where I fucking fell in love with pro wrestling. And so, like, you know, like, my, like my, the fondest memories I have was watching, like, early WCW and stuff and mm-hmm. seeing like, amazing matches Eddie Guerrero and Ben Law and, and Mysterio and Jerry. It's like... I, yeah. I've, I've, I've told this story a couple times on different shows and and I, I totally don't want to take credit for it. I don't even know if I told it on your show. Where like how, how I wanted to, how I was kind of indirectly responsible for Jericho getting a job at ECW. Yeah. Because I'm 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 a hundred percent positive that I gave Raven the tape of the Super J Cup. Ninety five. <laughs> And then he let Paulie see it. And I think Feinstein got the credit for it or somebody got the credit for it. I don't know. But I think it ultimately passed through my hands before it got to somebody that saw it. But Eddie Guerrero was on that show, right? He was Black Tiger. Yeah. He may have even – did he wrestle Jericho on that show? I don't know why my tone just went up like that. No, I don't don't think so. I think Jericho wrestled – Oh, uh, I think he wrestled uh, maybe El Samurai. Then the, the, the finish was Ultimate Dragon, but I don't know who he wrestled in the semifinal. Oh, maybe Benoit. Okay. Or, or one of the Japanese guys. But, yeah, but, yeah, Eddie Guerrero is somebody. Fuck, man. If, if Eddie Guerrero had seven different outfits in his suitcase, I would have him be the only guy on the show. <laughs> that's how That's how good Eddie Guerrero was. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, you know, can you can you be a Russian assassin? <laughs> can you go up there, fuck America, whatever. <laughs> so yeah, he's Aaron, that is, good. Oh, sorry, Chad. Aaron, who is no, your okay. n- numero ocho? Who's my next one? Yeah, Aaron. My next one is D Malenko. 
I like Dean. He didn't. He wasn't in my sixty though. Um, maybe just I. I don't want to say I forgot about Dean Malenko, but in my thought process. Um, but go ahead. And I'll let you. It's your. It's your pick. So I'll let you say. Yeah, please. Oh, man, I, I love Dean Malenko, man. Like me, me too. He's he's fucking fantastic. Like, I don't know. What, what do you guys know about Dean Malenko before 1995? Well, I don't know a lot about Dean Malenko before 95, but as a kid, like, watching the, like, Nitro era and all that shit, like, seeing Dean Malenko work, I just thought he was fantastic. Oh, Dean Malenko is unbelievable. Fuck. Well, I mean, if I- if, if I had enough money to spend and I decided I was going to be a wrestler and I had an option to go to whatever wrestling school, my wrestling school or Dean Malenko's wrestling school, well, <laughs> I'm going to go to Dean Malenko's school. I know like 16 moves. <laughs> he knows like a thousand. <laughs> like, you know, I'm, I'm going to teach you how to like fall out of the ring and stuff. Well, Jericho knows a hundred, a thousand and four. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I'm, I'm number four. I gave him number four. <laughs> the most covered three handle family granunza. <laughs> he, he got that from me. I don't give a shit what he says because I gave it to Raven. <laughs> so there you go. Raven again. Raven again is my thorn on my side. We're going to have to get Raven on this podcast or maybe the 2300 once he comes in and, and, and have him come clean how he's stealing my ideas and making Jericho a big star that he is. Oh, man. If we could get Scott Levy on the twenty three hundred, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> you wouldn't, you, you, you wouldn't want it. He, he would totally shit on all of us, and he would do it all <laughs> and, and it wouldn't even be good to have him on. Cause he'd be like, ah, 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 "Chad, he's a jobber. Uh, he, he didn't, he didn't do anything. Uh, what is this stupid show? What do you guys? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't want Johnny Polo. As much as as much as I as much as I love Scotty, no, you wouldn't want him on your show because he would totally just fucking shit on it, and he wouldn't take any of it seriously. Um, going going to Dean was one of those guys that, again, when you look at his body of work, he was the perfect accent to anybody else because he didn't need to be fucking high flying. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. He just had to be there. And he had to be there. He had to be there to catch and take. Mm-hmm. But is that a is that a main eventer? Is that a guy that's drawing your money, or is that just a good talent? You know, I would, it, it, the way I look at, I would argue that maybe he wasn't the main eventer, but he drew money because you knew if you're going to see Dean Malenko versus. Benoit, Dean Malenko versus Mysterio, you're going to get a great match. And Malenko is kind of like for that cruiserweight division, he was kind of like that guy. He was the guy that... I I always consider him to be the gatekeeper more or less. Mm -hmm. And that's probably not where I want to be if we're making a list of the top 10 greatest of all time. Uh, I don't want to be the gatekeeper of the cruiserweight division. But but not everybody... I wasn't even trying to say the cruiserweight division. Like, when I made my list, I was making my list off of guys that I watched in my time 
as being believable in the ring ass kickers. And I, I thought Dean was. That's why our lists are all subjective and nobody's got wrong, wrong ideas mm-hmm. or wrong people. Yeah. That's fine. Like I, like I never saw a Dean Malenko match where I thought, eh, I don't, I, I think this guy's a joke. You know what yeah, I mean? There had to be one on like something like heat or something where he was probably, <laughs> he was probably paired up with like ivory. Go back. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm talking about WCW Dean Malenko, <laughs> not WWE fucking Dean Malenko. Yeah, he was fucking. They they had him coming out to like James Bond music and shit. Like, yeah, I'm not talking yeah, about that. that. I'm talking that. about ass kicking, <laughs> like 1999. Look in the rear. Go back and watch that one. Fucking doing his shit, D. Malenko. Like like D. Malenko versus Ultimo Dragon. Like, it, that's goddamn good shit. I don't know. Then Dean Malenko is, I mean, apparently we all have different lists based upon different opinions. So, I mean, Dean Malenko is not a bad worker at all. I mean, but beyond any stretch of the imagination. But, I mean, we're talking about top 10. So, yeah, that's fine. If that's your list, that's your list. I I can't, I can't fault that. Can I ask a question to everybody? Does anybody have Ultimo Dragon on their list? No. No. Um, I don't, and I purposely didn't put any Japanese people on my list. Fair enough, because I, I I didn't I didn't know if if the people that my my contingency who I'm dealing with were that as as familiar with Japanese wrestling as I was. I didn't know if you guys were, just mm-hmm. and I, I didn't want to bring up a name and have to tell you guys. No, it's this guy, you know. And this is, what he, <laughs> this is you know. So I, I purposely kept everybody. Just um, like I said, it was in my fifty years of being alive that I've seen wrestle. But you know, me when I was watching in the nineties and see Ultimo Dragon walk out with all those belts, it was like, holy shit, this guy is. Who the fuck is this guy? (laughs) Yeah, I agree, man. I agree. This guy trying to like sneak a fucking. Dude, and I was list. <laughs> Fuck off, Kyle. Well, my number eight <laughs> is Jerry Lawler. Good pull. Jerry Lawler. Um, Jerry Lawler to me is like you look at Lawler, and it's like, well, I mean, he's not built great, and I mean, he doesn't have like four hundred and seventy moves, but damn, this guy can fight, and wow, he really has been a really long time. And I mean, you, you know, you don't want to, you don't, you don't want to look at it kayfabe or, you know, the story, but Jerry Lawler, again, and another guy that, I don't know, I just, Lawler's one of my faves. I mean, he's, he's been, he's been consistent his whole career. He, did he have some goofy shit to deal with at times? Yeah, but that was brought on himself, you know, Dr. Frank and all that. But he never had a match that was awful. and Or maybe some of them were, because a lot of the footage that I've seen of his main event matches are clip footage from those Coliseum shows. But overall, I put Lawler in my top ten. He did WrestleMania before Vince McMahon did with Andy Kaufman. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, I don't know. I, I don't know what the correlation is of WrestleMania and Andy Kaufman, but well, the star, the star, like having people from Hollywood come in and be a part of pro wrestling. Yeah, but the the big difference, in my opinion, is is that Jerry Lawler didn't try to capitalize on it. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't try to make it a national thing. You know, he yeah. kept it right there in Memphis. Yeah. Vince, as soon as he got Ray Charles and Liberace, he's like, oh, <laughs> fuck, I'm, go- I'm going fucking public. I'm going on the Today Show. I got yeah. Liberace. I got Billy Martin, who got fired from the Yankees or whatever, whatever the fuck. But, you know, you know what I mean? That, yeah, like, Vin- Vincent Pile Drive will be there Franklin on the fucking... <laughs> <laughs> however, however, Roddy Piper did kick Cindy Lauper in the fucking head. <laughs> now he thought about it, but he didn't do it. So, anybody, anybody disagree or agree with me on Lawler? Well, I'll, I'll get to Lawler later on. Okay, but yeah, I, I have, I have no. I mean, um, yeah, he, he, he's another one of them guys. That checks all the boxes in in my criteria. Aaron, I agree with all their. He was almost on my list. So, Mister Austin, that means you are next. And what were we at? Number seven. Number seven. Number seven. I choose. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at my list like I'm doing a fantasy draft or some sort. <laughs> like, I keep referring to my papers like I don't even know who the fuck I pick. Um, <laughs> number seven, I'm gonna. I I, I wrote down Hulk Hogan, mm. and yeah. he's one of the guys that I subjectively I I put him on the list, but I never liked him. Like when I was a kid, I never liked him. Mm-hmm. Um, when I got older, I never liked him. Um, I always thought he, he was drew just money. Fucking... What's that? He drew money. Yeah, he drew money. He was on top for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, his influence in the business goes without even, I don't even got to say it. Um, and then he reinvented himself in two big ways. You know, right. Hulkamania and then the NWO Hogan. So as bad as he was as far as once the bell rings, He's Hulk Hogan. He made a bunch of people a lot of money in the eighties and then in, in the, the mid nineties. And to me, that can't be that can't go without um uh, recognition. Because if, I, if even today, if I was a, if, even if, if I was on a show working an independent show and just say Hogan was doing it uh, autograph signing, mm-hmm. and I was on that show and the show drew like two thousand people, you're gonna make me. What's that? You're gonna make bank. If yeah, and I would, I would walk by Hogan and I would say thanks for the house. Right. You know, that my, he, he he said he changed the whole entire course of the business. Mike Mike Tyson is the boxing, as you know, John Elway is the NFL as Hulk Hogan pro wrestling. Pretty much, yeah. People, people, people who don't even know what pro wrestling is know fucking Hulk Hogan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they probably have some Hulk Hogan merchandise at their house they don't even know about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you know, they, he, got, they got it at a car wash because they got he, like ten car washes. <laughs> and, and and you know, I mean, I know a lot of times um, 
his work rate <laughs> his work rate gets shit on. But he he if you watch Japan, like some of his stuff from New Japan, he actually could work. Maybe not the greatest, but he could work. And we talked about selling. And as far as selling goes, yeah, okay. Hogan sold in the cartoony WWF way, but that's the way that it was formulated for him to sell. But when I was a little kid, I was rooting for him to beat that bad guy. So he did his job effectively on the sell job too. Um, so yeah, I mean, I definitely see Hogan being there. I didn't put him on my list kind of cause I thought somebody else would like he was in my 60, but I figured, well, we're going to talk about him. Somebody's going to bring him up. So my list, cause you know, it, and let's not get over the fact that that's fucking funny. Fucking get 10 watches free, get a Hulk Hogan fucking. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I, I mean, I mean. Personally, I could if I if I never won another day without seeing a Hulk Hogan match, I'd be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I I, I, bet I I can't deny. Like I said, I put some work into this and I did some research. And goddamn, almost six years on top, almost three hundred days a year. Mm-hmm. I mean, my calculator, just, my calculator, my calculator battery the, ran out. That's just the WWF run. <laughs> yes, you know. And not even that, but not even just that, but think about it. Like he laid the foundation for guys like Rock, guys like Austin after it was said and done to become movie stars. Mm-hmm. And it, well, I would, I, I, I don't know about all that, but it can't be it. yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. That's why they carried away with the Mr. movie stars, Mr. Nanny, everyone, Mr. Nanny. I present for yeah, your consideration, Academy. Yep. <laughs> no, I have the tape right here. As a matter of fact, <laughs> hold on, hold on. You know what? When I was a kid, fucking Suburban Commando was my shit, man. <laughs> well, you were a stupid kid. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kyle, who's who's the next guy on your list? He is the only... You say Suburban Commando, I'm going to fucking smack you. <laughs> only Olympic gold medalist ever in pro wrestling, Kurt Angle. Spoiler alert. Scratch him off my list. Spoiler alert. Kurt Angle was my number one. I'm sorry. We'll wait till you get you get to your number one then, Nate. Well, you already ruined that one. We can talk about him now. That's fine. He was, he is, he whatever. To me, watching him, and again, this is not not that Kurt Angle is my favorite, my personal favorite, but watching him um Assimilate from being an amateur to a professional. First of all, in our in our lifetime, in, in in he is he is a Jack Briscoe or someone to that effect. He is that amateur that really really just took to pro wrestling like a duck to water. Um, he I've never seen a bad Kurt Angle match, um, and. I he I had him at number one for me. He was he's he's like bell to bell the best I've ever seen. You have a guy who comes in in two thousand amongst Stone Cold, amongst The Rock, amongst Triple H, amongst Mankind, amongst all these stars, and is able to put his fucking footprint and carve a niche out for himself. Mm-hmm. Be able to get over where the fans are like, "Fuck, this guy's good." Well, the, 
What is it? Suburban <laughs> Commando. Oh. Suburban Commando. <laughs> 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 hey, here and tell me you didn't fucking get a kick out of Undertaker having that fucking little kid's voice. <laughs> Good, man. I love the Suburban Commando. <laughs> Pull it back. That's fine. <laughs> go ahead, yeah. Kyle. Yeah, like I said, Angle was number one on mine. Kyle, go ahead. But again, it's fuck Kurt. Like, how can you argue with a guy who won a fucking Olympic gold medal with with a broken fucking neck? <laughs> okay. Like, how can you argue with that? How can you sit there and see a guy in the ring and go like, "Fuck, this guy's real." And like I said, I mean, he just uh, he. To me, just a duck to water with with from amateur to pro, and again for me, what I've viewed in my lifetime, I put him at number one. Um, Chad as the worker of the group. Did you have him? Did you even have him on your ten? No, I didn't. And no. as a matter of fact, I didn't even um I didn't even think about him. Like now that you said it, now that it makes me rethink my list because of the actual work that he did, but. I, I don't think I, I don't think he checked all the boxes on my on my criteria, honestly. Okay. But yeah, Kurt Angle, goddamn, you know, <laughs> how good was that? It, seriously, <laughs> that guy was so good, it was unbelievable. Like how, like, like you said, Doctor Water, mm-hmm. and and people want to say like you know whatever what, what, what it was Ronda Rousey's debut or whatever kind of stuff. Yeah, it was the best at but Kurt Angle. Good God. You know, even that stuff in ECW. I, I, unfortunately, I wasn't there that night in ECW. I wish I was. Oh, shit, and I wish you were too. Yeah, God, I, I, I wish you were I too. <laughs> uh, because I because I, I was working for somebody else that night, and I heard about it while it was going on, and I was like, "Damn, I should have been there." And yeah, <laughs> and then I, I I didn't know who Kurt Angle was. I didn't know anything about him. But this mm-hmm. guy literally came in and took the business over and and picked it up like it was nothing. You know, think about he it. was unbelievable. And I would say he's another guy. See, another another reason why I don't have him on my list is because he wasn't on top for um as long. Right. Five he, had his, he, he had his, he had like five years off of two years on three years off a year. And then he went to TNA or whatever, you know, and mm-hmm. you know, I'm not I'm not considering that like. But, but I will say this, since you brought it up, the fact is that he carried fucking TNA for a lot of years. Yeah, what, he was he was to TNA what Jericho or what Jericho is to AEW now. He yeah, made at one point watchable. When a lot of it wasn't watchable, he was you know. At least you can look at Jer- uh, at Angle and say, well, at least he fucking real. I, I, I honestly can't even comment on that because at that point I wasn't even getting TNA anymore. Because they mm-hmm. had fallen so far off the radar that none of my none of my cable companies carried it, <laughs> and and I still don't I still don't get access. And I looked it up, and n- none of the cable companies in my county or even in the state even carry that channel. So I can't even watch access. All I see is what's on um um YouTube, like mm-hmm. highlights or whatever. Can you imagine? So I have no idea what's going on. Can you imagine having a company? Where fucking Spike TV, fucking TV providers, like, we will put you on the air. We just don't want you to have Vince Russo. 
And then you fucking have him like in the background still. Mm-hmm. Like, what a what a mistake. I have a ton of old. I mean, I have a ton of TNA like DVDs and stuff that I haven't watched. But when I look at them, when I when I go through them, I see names like Punk on them and stuff like that. I'm like, see a Punk work here? <laughs> that's a very you know, early. That's show. how long it's been since I've seen any of this stuff. So, no, Joe. Punk was like a lackey for Raven. It was weird. Like he was like a Raven wannabe. Like it was really weird. Like yeah. Aaron, next on your list. Okay, next person on my list is Dave Finley. Who? Fit Dave Finley. Finley. Fit Finley. David Fit Finley. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. The audio was bad when I I I heard Dave, but I didn't hear the last name. I'm just like Dave. <laughs> Super Dave, Dave Osborne. No, yeah, it's uh, Dave Super Osborne. Dave. Not Super manager, Mister Fucking Fuji. <laughs> Goddamn Fit Finley, man, he's fucking fantastic. Yeah, he's better than fantastic. Fantastic, which is he was as good as Fit Finley. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I, I wouldn't put him on. Again, he's not on my list, but you know, it's not my list. You want to talk a about goddamn a, genius? You want to talk about a guy who was fucking start and stop, start and stop? Fucking that is the tale of Fit Finley. Because I they, think, um, I think more or less, I think that Mister Finley's problem was he was a victim of. By the time he got to the states, he was a little on the older side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and his um his career his career was already on the on the on, on the back nine, you know. So they used them for what they could, but then when they were done with him, they really didn't know what to do with him. But goddamn man, that guy is a fucking champ. He was um. You talk about okay, we talk about guys that when you watch them in the ring, they look real. <laughs> um, yeah. There's very few, I guess, Amer- stateside. Let's just say stateside. All right. Um, not counting, not counting strong style in Japan or what have you. Stateside, there are very few matches that will will that will a- achieve the realism of a match between Dave Finley and Steve Regal, William Regal. So you know, I mean, bell to bell, absolutely. Dave Finley, I'm just saying, like, like, I, I've watched a lot of matches with this shit with, like, when he was doing European stuff, which are fantastic. But, like, he did a deal where he was working with, like, the boogeyman. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Wait, was it Norman Smiley? No. Was, was, was Norman Smiley involved in this? Well, Norman Smiley should have been. Norman <laughs> Smiley's a good wrestler, too. Yeah, he's a, he, he's a guy that Finley worked a lot in, like, Europe and, and um, Japan and stuff. 
Like, if I could watch a Norman Smiley and fucking Dave Finley match, I'd watch that all day. There's a reason, there's a reason why WCW Nitro put fucking Steve Riggle versus fucking Fit Finley on to go up against fucking Doink the Clown and shit in WWF because he knew that people were going to be like, fuck, this is fucking real. This is... <laughs> yeah, this is wrestling. Mm-hmm. Fuck, that's what I'm watching. So my number seven is Ric Flair. Fucker. <laughs> you should be saying yourself. <laughs> it's your show. Um, Flair. Flair was so good. I mean, it, it, there's he, he was so good that he's not your number one. That he's not my number one. No, he's Kurt number Angle seven. was my number one. <laughs> so there, there's six people that are better than Ric Flair, but Ric Flair was so good. He was so good. This, were, this is ten people out of thousands. And you and go thousands. outside. You go outside every day in public, and people see you. Do they, <laughs> do, do they know this? They, I mean, come on, let's be honest. You, you, you got to be ashamed of yourself. Flair's my number one. So you knocked that off my list. No, on my list, it was Ric Flair and nine other people. And nine other people. And yeah. He's, he is easily the greatest showman. Hey, look, he's on, he's on Chad's TV right now. Woo! Cutting that promo, baby. <laughs> I, look, I don't know what it's like to be in a ring. I don't know what it's like to be a pro wrestler. Chad does. But for the man to go 60 minutes... Night in, night out. I can't imagine. Mm-hmm. And living the lifestyle he lived. God damn. You know, well, if we're going to get to Ric Flair, I'm not going to. I'm not going to get into Ric Flair until I get to my number one, which <laughs> clearly has already been divulged. And and I'll give you my reasons why when we get there. But yeah. I mean, just the, even the fact that he's in your top ten. If he wasn't, I'd probably just I would probably quit the show. Yeah, Chad, be like, I'm not doing business with this guy. Yeah, anymore. I don't know. You, you you fucking guys are flea market podcasters. <laughs> I, ain't got, I ain't got time for this. What are you gonna have? Fucking, I don't know. What are you gonna have? Bill Dundee on next week? <laughs> but you good know, lord. A couple of years ago, Ric Flair was in, in Fort Wayne for, I think it was like, what what was it, like Legends Wrestling or whatever? Something like that, yeah. And Fort Wayne's pretty close to us, and they fucking kicked him out of the bar. <laughs> Called the fucking bartender a fat boy. <laughs> and I was like, man, I would be fucking honored to have Ric Flair call me a fat boy. We will wait to talk about his, his, his legacy and his career until Chad gets to his number one, which is obviously the Nature Boy. So, Chad, I will let you do your number all your seven. Guys number one. <laughs> Wait, my number seven? Mm-hmm. All right, my number or seven. No, you know, you're, you're number six. I'm sorry. Number six? All right, it's going to be it's gonna be somebody that's probably going to shock a lot of you guys. And I'm going with Bruno. Okay. Good pull. It's good pull. Seven, and Bruno had, Bruno had 12 years of being on top. And headlining the garden, and that's a lot of money. And actually, match, actually the most the most garden sellouts, I believe. 
was. I, I think he had the most garden <laughs> sellouts too. Oh, okay, yeah, that's what I mean. Mm-hmm. He, he had the most garden sellouts, but because of the the economics of the, of the situation, he didn't make as much money. But mm-hmm. his impact on the business, seriously, who the fuck could be the champion for twelve years? <laughs> right. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I mean, I'm the neighborhood grass cutting champion in my neighborhood. And I'm going on 11 years. And nobody's cut grass more than me in this neighborhood. But Bruno is going out there and he's beating all these people and he's, and he's putting ass in the seats. And he wasn't the greatest worker. That's his one strike in, in my criteria. But his, his best attribute, in my opinion, was when he was in feuds. When he yeah. was infused and all he had to do was punch and kick, that was the best Bruno. You right. know? It wasn't and, it wasn't it wasn't a him against Pedro at Shea Stadium or whatever, you know what I mean? It was him and Zabisco where like I, I've heard I've heard an argument about the steel cage matches about well, why does the baby face have to leave the cage? You know, he looks like a coward. Well, in my opinion, if I beat you up to the point where you're laying there. Yeah. And I walk away instead of beating you up more. Why am I not a baby face? Right. You know? And I, to- I totally agree with that. I have always disagreed with people that, that shit on that cage match finish because you're right. It is. It's, it's essentially last man standing. I've beat you so bad. Yeah, I'm can- walking home. I'm <laughs> out of here. I can climb you know? a fence. I can climb a fence and leave you laying on the ground and you're done, son. <laughs> my, my taxi cab's running. <laughs> the meter's running. Uh, I know. Uh, here I am. I'm going to beat you up. I'm going to. I'm just going to walk out. And the way Bruno walked out was so great. You know, mm-hmm. he walked out nonchalant. He he raised his hand up. You know, and he took his steps down. You know, down the step things, and he walked out like he beat the shit out of Zabisco and <laughs> left him laying. But I mean, it's his other body of work. He, he he goes in the same category as the Jack Briscoes, in my opinion. But he set the he set the standard for the travel. Right. Even though in the Northeast where Bruno was champion, his travel was nowhere near as as, as uh, vigorous or as uh, strenuous as Jack Briscoe's. Because he had to go to Pittsburgh, you know, Buffalo, New York, you know, all that circuit. And he had to wrestle like, you know, the same amount of matches, but he had less travel. Right. But yeah, he drew he drew more money um, you know. Imagine in the Northeast, you being an Italian, and there's an Italian Superman as your, um, you know, your superhero. Yeah. That yeah. to me, like, like I, I didn't want to put somebody like Bruno on my list, but I almost couldn't discredit Bruno. Well, you know and, I mean? and and even though even though maybe Briscoe traveled, um, traveled more miles, um, are are there more are there more what do I want to say? Ardent and maybe fickle fans than than an East Coast, you know, and more hostile than maybe Chicago. But so Bruno being able to to be to be a mainstay in the East Coast territory for that long, and people not turning on him, is is a testament to his ability and his charisma. Also, I think oh. the big thing too is again. None of us have ever been in the ring. Chad, you have. I got to imagine it, it's fucking tough to walk into the same arena week in, week out to the same fans and have to try to, you know, please them. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, you got to further your story. Yeah, I mean, you gotta you gotta go like, all right. Um, last month we were here, and he might even remember what he did last month. You know, right? Somebody might even have to go. Hey, last month we were here, we we did a double countout. So now we got to do a um a double DQ so we can build to a lumberjack or a K or whatever. And right. you know, Bruno might go, "What do we do?" You know. <laughs> And then, and then, I mean, do you think that he sat around like fucking the kids nowadays and went over to match? Like, oh, I'm going to do this, this, and this? Oh, absolutely huh? not. <laughs> yeah, he went out there and Kemper Terry just said, I'm in the ring with Bruno San Martino. I have, I'm going to bump. Yeah, I was going to say, I assure you that Bruno and Kowalski didn't <laughs> spend uh, the day going over how their match was going to go down. <laughs> well, if they did, they have no idea what the fuck they were talking about. I don't know. <laughs> Like, I mean, they, they were like, all right, I'm going to punch you. What, what, what do you want me to do? Well, you punch me back. <laughs> and then what? Then, then what? You yeah, know, there's yeah. no way Bruno, there's no way Bruno did that. Then I'm going to kick you in the fucking head. <laughs> uh, and I'm going to ram your head in the turnbuckle. And then you're going to sell like Baron Miguel Cicluna. And then Killer Kowalski goes, I don't know how a killer uh, Baron Miguel Cicluna sells. He goes, well, this is how he sells. And he does the whole hands over that. Of course. That's yeah. I mean, there's no chance that Bruno sat around with them guys. And like I've done it. I mean, I've done it. I've had to wrestle on shows where I've been in separate locker rooms and never talked to the guy until I got into the ring. I've mm-hmm. done it a bunch of times. It's not fucking easy. And it's and it's not really that fun in my opinion. It it wasn't like I'm not Ricky Morton, I'll be honest. I'm not mm-hmm. Ricky Morton where I can, well, when you feel the crowd of 12,000 as opposed to 120, um, it's a different, it's a different vibe mm-hmm. when I'm selling and there's only 120 fans cheering for you to, to you know, rally up. It's do kind you, of difficult. So do you think it's, do you think it's, uh, again, I'm getting in the weeds because sometimes you bring things up and I just want to pick your brain. Um, do you think it's better to go in the ring with just a, a small inkling of what you're going to do, or do you think it's better to overplan? I mean, it, it really depends on who you are. Do you really okay. think you're going to go out there and call a match with a ricochet in the ring? <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't think so. Like, <laughs> I, as, as an example, what I considered my, um, my last professional match, um, it was a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. And I did it for my cousin who promoted the show. And he had me booked against a guy who I'd worked many, 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 many times before, Christian York. Okay. And and when we got to the show, and it was 125 people there. And he says to me, he's like, so what do you want to do? And I looked at him, and I was like, you know, I was drinking. I was sitting out back tailgating. And he's <laughs> like, I go, I want to call it in the ring. He goes, Okay. And then he goes, oh, but I had this one spot that I do where I do this, this, and this. I go, okay, just tell me when you want to put it in the match. And then he goes, okay, but I had this other spot that I do. And I go, okay, just tell me when. And he goes, but then after that, I do this. <laughs> and I just say, you know what? Why don't we just sit down and talk about this? <laughs> I feel like that's how every, the planning of every AEW match goes. So how can we get every single spot every one of us does <laughs> into yeah, the match? And, and it shouldn't be that way. Well, for one, now it's it's even worse because there's no crowd. That's mm-hmm. even worse. 
because you have like even the kids that are that have been around say they had been around for five or six years when they had performed in front of crowds where i mean not even big crowds just people in general where they got some feedback on their stuff now they're doing stuff in front of no crowds so they don't they don't know what's working right. they don't know what works they don't know what you know what the crowd's going ooh and on on like i can sit there and tell you how great private party is all day long but there's nobody there to tell me that they're great. Right. Mm-hmm. They're they're just the regular fucking they're they're the black guys that are on NXT or um <laughs> SmackDown or whatever. Isn't one of them married to Bianca Belair or vice versa? Or I don't fucking know. They, <laughs> like I mean, I can't I can't believe they have two different um and this is not even a, a racial thing. They have two different black tag teams that are basically the same team, right? Yeah. Aren't they? Yeah. I private mean, party, I don't know. Private, private party and street profits. I mean, you look at the two. Oh, that's the name. The street, the street and, profits. Yeah, yeah, and they're they're essentially the same, the same gimmick, the same team. Um, what the fuck? Yeah. Team <laughs> real. Well, them guys are them guys are good, man. I'll tell you that. I don't give a shit what their names are, how close they are, but them guys can fucking do some shit. <laughs> Steve Regal. But it's Kyle's next, Aaron. Don't be rude. Fuck him. <laughs> He's just sitting there being fat. I'm saying Steve Regal. Steve Regal. Somebody's just yelling out Steve Regal. Yeah, <laughs> Steve Regal. Regal. First, Bob off. First off, you guys are talking about fucking random shit. I'm saying Steve Regal. Sitting here being fucking Buddha. <laughs> fat and happy. Yeah, exactly. Kyle. We yes. got a spoiler for Aaron's next, but he's not next. So he's he's got Regal, but who do you got, Kyle, next? I've got the fucking the King of Kings. The game. Triple H. Steve Regal. Triple H. Here's my point for this. Okay. People want to say that, you know, he only is where he is because of Stephanie and blah, 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 blah. But name me, but think about the fact that he picked up the ball when Steve Austin left and ran with it as the, the biggest heel in pro wrestling. You can say what you want to say about the reign of terror of him, you know, holding the title, beating everybody. But tell me that it didn't mean something when Batista beat him or Cena beat him mm-hmm. or, you know, he is the the closest our generation has ever seen to a Ric Flair or Harley race. As far as booking goes. Yeah. I'll say that. And I, he, he never, he never, he does not. I don't think he gets enough credit for the, the, the level of worker that he is yeah. honestly. And he, he does have a passion for it and he does take it seriously, obviously. And, He's, and, and he's not on my list, but I'm not going to shit on the fact that you put him on your list because I think for a certain period of time, if you're talking about who you are ranking as the top 10 workers ever, I mean, as, as, let's be honest, has Triple H ever had a like a shitty match? No. You know? So, I mean, I'll let other people step in here, but... And again, I'm saying, he took over from fucking Steve Austin... When Steve Austin left, like he was the guy that took over for him. And granted, you know, Sean came back and everything else, but the fact is, like, he was the guy to take over and help run that company 
until like a Cena came along. Mm-hmm. I mean, people can say what they want to say, but fucking Triple H is damn good in that ring. Well, I'll say this: if if you wanted me to do a top um eleven, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or top twelve, sure, certainly. And you don't think that I didn't scratch out um, Triple H, you know, somewhere on this list? Like, uh, yeah, I did. But again, I looked at all the boxes that mm-hmm. he, he he didn't he didn't draw the money. He, he came he came around to the time when the WWE drew the money. Right. He was just the guy that was the main event guy. It That's- wasn't like. People were, were begging to go see Triple H wrestle, you know, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. But, yeah, it, you know, so, yeah, as, a, as far as, like, as what you guys are talking about right now, by mentioning guys like Dean Malenko, Eddie Guerrero, I see where Triple H definitely falls in your top ten. I totally see that. Yeah, of course he does in, in your top ten. I can totally see where he falls, even highly ranked as he is in your top ten. I can see where he falls. But mine, no, he he just fell short, just for variable reasons. It wasn't mm-hmm. like he wasn't he wasn't acknowledged or anything like that. It was just like yeah, he fell short in a couple of categories, in in, in my opinion. Right, and like I said, to me, I I think that the fact that like he he's not he's not a main event draw, but he's that guy, kind of like a Roddy Piper or a Vince McMahon, where. He is the guy that you want to see get his ass kicked. Yeah. Oh, no, definitely a good heel. A fantastic heel. Especially, I mean, for his time. Um, But he did did do some fucking hokey bullshit stuff. Absolutely. Like Katie Vick. That kind of turned (laughs) me off. Like, when he started doing that whole stuff with the... Yeah, I did the whole just... He was hokey. He was good when he was good. And once he became Triple H, the King of Kings, that's when he was good. Mm-hmm. When he was with DX and all that nonsense, that was just fucking hokey nonsense. But yeah, that, like I said, I love the fucking like WrestleMania 22 Triple H where he fucking comes out and he's like, I'm the fucking king. I am the fucking best. Well, let's check it out. Hmm? Sorry. Go ahead. I was just saying, let's talk about Kurt Hennig. And he was number two on mine. Kurt Hennig. Wow. Um, I never even thought about him, honestly. I I he is he is in, in my he's in my five favorite ever. Um but like Bell to Bell, I've always said I contend that I've never watched a more natural wrestler in the ring. For me, and again, not being a wrestler, but I've never watched someone to me that looked more natural in a pro- professional wrestling match than Kurt Henning. All right. Well, that's your opinion. <laughs> uh, I don't I don't have the same opinion. Uh, I don't think Kurt Henning was that great at all. Really? No, I, I I don't think that I'm not saying that he wasn't good, mm-hmm. but I don't think he was great. There's a whole lot of holes that Kurt Hennig had in his game when it came to bumping and 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 psychology and stuff like that. But th- I don't blame it on Kurt. I blame it on where he was brought up at. 
he was brought up in Winnipeg and in Montreal, um, um, Minnesota and mm-hmm. that territory where, you know, the baby faces had to take beatings and blah, 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 blah. And he never really learned how to bump very good. And I think that was pretty, pretty much the catalyst of what could have been the downfall to him when it came to the, um, you know, the substance abuse. Cause he would take these crazy bumps it, it would subsidize the fact that, I mean, I don't know. Uh, he, there was a lot of fundamentals that he, he didn't do properly, if that makes any sense to you guys. No, I and, 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 and then that's why it's great that you're in this conversation with us because you're a worker. And that's, that's, that's why it's, it's great to have you in this conversation because. Yeah. He, he just did. He just like, he, he took a lot of unnecessary bumps mm-hmm. and then some of the bumps that he should have took, he didn't take them properly, you know, in, in today's age and come and not the matter of fact that, um, that when he was taking them bumps back in the early eighties, that ring was stiff. That wasn't like a ring they have nowadays, like the, the ECW ring that Max Thrasher rents to uh, Paulie dangerously. And, <laughs> and, and, you know, on the ECW, uh, 2300 revival podcast, it, it wasn't the same ring that it's a bouncy ring. It's a stiff ring. So yeah, that shit takes your toll on you, man. And yeah, he, he, he never was. One of the things that I never liked was his clothesline. Like the way he took a clothesline, watch the way he falls sometimes when the guy hits him and he tries to do an inside out clothesline and turn inside out. And he ends up falling on his, on his forearms and his head. Why would it? What the fuck? Don't even try that. And guys, I'm I'm not I'm not trying to fucking to kiss ass or suck dick here, but I'm telling you right now, this is the kind of shit that you can expect on the 2300 podcast if you haven't gone and listened to it. We have a guy who's fucking been in the fucking ring, who knows what it means to be a pro wrestler. So fucking go and subscribe to that if you're not already. So Aaron, you brought up Kurt. I'll let you make your case for Kurt. <laughs> I just thought Kurt was a great wrestler. Kurt is a great wrestler. If that's all you're going to say, like when I watch him work and the, when he bumps and shit, like watch him work with like Hogan, who I know you guys didn't like, but I just thought he did. I was, so the next guy, I guess for, we'll go to my number uh, six here. I think we're on five. Holy shit, you guys are on five. I'm on fucking three. I've, I think we've knocked people off of each other's lists. Yeah. But I got I got Harley Race here. And, Ooh, and good one. He was my number. I mean, he would, what was that, Kyle? He was my number two. Okay. Harley. Harley is. I guess the word I would, I would use to describe Harley when it comes to being a worker is convincing. <laughs> that That's like the, 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 the biggest word that I think of when I think of Harley, like when I, <laughs> um, when I, when I watch him and again, he's one of those guys that I, I'm going to be honest for me growing up in Toledo, Ohio, in the early mid 80s to the early 90s 
I did not until I became, you know, a grown ass man, watch a lot of Harley race. I didn't, I wasn't exposed to him. I didn't, I just didn't see him, you know, but going back through time and being able to watch so much of him as I've been able to watch, um, I would say that 20 years ago, I wouldn't, I, as, as naive as I would have been to him, I wouldn't have put him on this list, but now going back and watching Harley, God damn it. Like you talk about in the ring, on the mic. It, it, I mean, Harley, be, Harley is, is one of those guys that you believe he believes what it's real, you know, and a champion, a great heel champion. I would say, you know, if you put on, we talked about Jack Briscoe as kind of a babyface champion for the NWA. I think Harley set that standard for a heel NWA champion that Flair picked up, you know, but um, I would love to hear your thoughts on Harley, Chad, for sure. Oh, Harley was a guy that I put on my list, I don't know, four times? Mm-hmm. Like three times where I scratched them out, and I was like, no, maybe, maybe <laughs> three, maybe four, maybe five, maybe two. Oh, he's better <laughs> than this guy. And yeah, like he, he's the guy that, in my opinion, he took whatever the, the – the, he, he lived in the Jack Briscoe um, shadow. Like oh, yeah. he took he took the schedule from from Jack Briscoe, and he told everybody else if you are going to be the NWA champion, you have to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, work as yeah. much as we want. Nuts. Yeah, you know, he had to be that. He had to. He had to like he set the standard. And and if you want to if you want to nitpick, which if we're not really, really nitpicking, but Holly Race also had the same match. That Ric Flair had, yeah, basically, mm-hmm. but it didn't matter because it was variations of that match. I mean, sure, you're going to see the knee drop, and, and you know the headbutt. But from you, the top but row. you want to, but you want to see the knee drop and exactly. Yes, it, it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. And here's, yeah, but Holly Race just didn't make it on my list, but he really was scratched out a, a few times on my list where. I'm just looking at other people going, come on, Chad. <laughs> I mean, why is Holly Race not on this fucking list? And, 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 the, and the main reason why he wasn't probably in Jack Briscoe's spot was because Jack Briscoe was a baby face. Right. And, you know, and he was so over in Tampa. That's the main reason probably why he didn't, he didn't take over Jack Briscoe's spot. And here's the big thing, like with to me, like with with Arlie Race, it is it's for me being a fan. It's like you you see him being a heel and being this shit fucking guy, and it's like it's like you say, like I want to fucking do something, but I know I can't fucking take Harley Race. Like Harley <laughs> Race is my fucking ass. Yeah, so I'm a seriously <laughs> player who I know can you know. Maybe stand a chance against this guy. When Harley Race was seventy-two, <laughs> he could whoop my fucking ass. <laughs> it sounded like he was eating menthol cigarettes instead of smoking. <laughs> and, and, and and like literally, when I when I, when I worked Vader, like when I worked Vader in like '94 and like WCW, and Vader fucked up his um his finish gimmick. Which it was like that little yeah. thing where he picks you up the wheelbarrow thing, mm-hmm. and he smacks you down. Where either I twisted or he twisted me, and then I'm laying there and I hear Harley Race just yell out, "Power bomb!" 
<laughs> and I, I just thought, like, well, I ain't fucking this up. <laughs> I'm, I'm taking this power bomb the way it's supposed to be fucking taken, whether or not he kills me or not. And then I remembered he just paralyzed the guy a couple years ago doing a power bomb. Yeah, but Harley Race was Harley Race was great. Like he was, I, I can't believe that I got to be in the in the in, in the ring or around Harley Race. I, I would have never thought that. Like a lot of stuff that I look back at my career, like even the whole meeting Ric Flair stuff. I didn't mm-hmm. think anything of it because I was working there. Right. But now I'm just like, wow, fuck, I got to work with Holy Race. That's amazing. There's a whole bunch of guys yeah. that never that would never say that. Well, and here's the big thing. Like, I don't know if you remember, uh, Mick Foley talks about it where when he's facing Vader, like, he's supposed to hit Vader with a fucking shovel. And he's like, I don't know if I want to hit him so hard. If fucking Harley, like, if you don't go out there and hit him with everything you have, when you come back here, I'm going to fucking hit you. <laughs> Like, <laughs> all right, man. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just watched some Vader Matt, uh, New Japan stuff from '88 a couple of days ago. He used to kill them guys. Mm-hmm. Rick Flair talks about went over to Japan and was worried about the fucking NWA title. He took fucking Harley with him because he knew Harley wouldn't fuck around. <laughs> well, like, he took Piper to Puerto Rico. Yeah. Like, God damn, like this dude. So, Chad, who's next on your list? Where are we at, five? I think you might be at five, because I am. Yeah, I'm at five. At five, I'm going to go with, I don't know, um, I, I I have reserves about where he should be placed at, but he had to be in, in the top ten, so I mm-hmm. put him in the middle just because I – I know it's going to be subjective. I put I, I put on uh, Steve Austin. Mm. You can't you can't argue. I, I, he's dancing around my ten, um, but you can't argue with that. I mean, no. Inflation being what inflation is, you, you got to say either he or Hogan are the biggest draws ever. And I'm not a fucking economist, so I don't know. But Austin, he drew. He captured the imagination of the fans. He, depending on what his physical condition was, he always adapted to what his in-ring style needed to be. And yeah, I mean, I can well, totally the see one, that. The, the one box that he didn't he didn't check off for me, like totally, was longevity mm-hmm. because of the fact that he started ninety one. Right. And probably his last run was, you know, around 91. Or, I mean, 2001. And yeah, um, yeah. he came back and made the appearances. So that that just basically, you know, you, you crawled across the finish line for right. 20 years. So, you know what I mean? That That's the only thing that put him over on the thing because I'm like, God, the guy made a ton of money. And, yeah. you know, he, and he, he, did, he did big business. And he elevated people and the quality opponents and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, well, he checks all the boxes, but where do I put him? Right. And he he didn't, he didn't, um, it's funny because he has this style almost like Rocky where it's, it literally doesn't matter how good the match was because he was so good and he was such a natural and he was so charismatic that you were still along for the ride the whole time. Yeah, it was never about the match. Right. 
none of none of them matches were ever about the match because none of them guys were waking up the next morning and checking to see if Meltzer gave it a five stars <laughs> or or whatever. They they didn't give a fuck. It's when it's what what the people said. Mm-hmm. Not exactly, yeah. but like Austin was like. Like, I don't give a fuck if you give me a one star. My bank account says that it was a fucking five star. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, ain't, you ain't kidding. Because, and, and another thing, well, I'll be honest and tell you right now that The Rock's not on my list. And the reason why The Rock's not on my list is because Steve Austin never really left the business. When he left the business, he left the business. He didn't mm-hmm. leave the business to go to do other shit. Right. Like, whatever his his Hollywood stuff... That's the Hogan stuff. That mm-hmm. it, it, it never really materialized. The Rock went on to go to Hollywood, and he became a humongous star, and now he's not coming back to the business. Mm-hmm. That always, to me, I have a problem with that. Yeah, well, I, that's, I what I gonna, problem with that. that's what I was going to say. That's what I was going to say. Rock is a movie star. Hogan and Austin were wrestlers in movies. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And Austin always knew where his bread was buttered. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if, if if he needs to pay his cable bill because he got the TNA pay-per-view tonight, <laughs> and, he, and he can just always call it, oh, I need to get a job, uh, you know, doing something. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and Steve we- Austin to me, Steve Austin set all kinds of box records and, and box office records, and I, I think he came along right around, right before The Rock did, honestly. And oh, yeah. They both they both played. They both played great parallels upon themselves um, as as rivals and all. But I think at the end of the day, it was because Steve Austin had more lungs and longevity than The Rock did, and that's why I put Steve Austin in my list. Well, and we talked about Steamboat and Savage earlier about it being, you know, people calling it the greatest WrestleMania match, et cetera, et cetera. I would say, to be honest, for me personally. I think Brett and Austin is better than Steamboat and Savage. Um, Brett and Austin at, at WrestleMania 13 is my second favorite. My favorite Mania match, honest to God, is is Sean and Taker at 25. But my second favorite Mania match is Austin and Brett at 13. Like that match is it's visceral. It's it's it at that time in that company, it was unheard of. And, you know, I just, to me, that, that cements it, you know, with Steve Austin. What was the other match you said? Was it Steamboat? Steamboat Savage, Savage, Steamboat Savage, um, Austin, Brett, and then Sean and Taker. Well, I'm in, I'm in the minority at all by, by being a guy that like, I've already talked about it. I never thought the Steamboat Savage match was that great because it, it just looked like it was. It could have been done with ballerinas. <laughs> it, it was. Right. It was so. Right. Cho- it was so choreographed. I mean, I mean, I'm not saying it wasn't good. Yeah, it was great. Like for mm-hmm. watching it live, and you see the thing and all. But when you watch it and you see it on tape, you're just like, he is. What? what? He's just going. Oh my god! No, he's doing. No, he's doing this. <laughs> You know, I mean, you can all I mean, nowadays. You know, hindsight being twenty twenty, clearly you can pick it apart nowadays. Well, but, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah. I'm sure. But you know I'm what sure I mean. you, Yeah, I was going to say, I'm sure you more than me, obviously, because of the because you're a worker, you can see a lot more of that than I can. But, um, so 
Definitely Austin is 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 worthy of being in a in a ten of uh, the greatest wrestlers of all time. Kyle, you're next. It's gonna be this is my last one because the other ones have been knocked off the list. Okay. For for everyone who needs to know, Ric Flair is number one. Mm-hmm. Harley Race is number two. So my number three, one and the only, the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels. And you know what's funny is Shawn is my second favorite of all time, but he's not even in this ten. Really? I don't even have. Yeah, I don't even have him in this ten. Um. As good as he was, as fantastic as he was. Um, but go ahead, go ahead, Kyle. This is this is your pick, brother. People, people. Hmm, how, how do I want to put this? People sit there and they and they downplay Sean's career because you know WWF was in a downturn during that time. But I I'm on that that mindset of if Sean hadn't been as good as he was. Where would the WWF have been? Right. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I mean, at that time, it, you know, you're talking 95, 96. Not, not only that, but the fact is, is that if we could talk from Shawn Michaels from the start to 90 to 98 when he went out, that may be one thing. But we're talking about Shawn Michaels coming back at four years and then mm-hmm. going on to have an amazing you know, second half of his career where, you know. Agreed. And he did. And he did. Don's demons have been fucking discussed plenty of times. We don't need to go into it. But the fact is he came back with a changed attitude and helped put over guys and fucking, you know, had an amazing second half of his career. In my opinion, it's no, Michael. And and I'm I'm not, I'm not. Go ahead, Chad. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't know we were talking over each other. Um, <laughs> no, it's cool. In, in, my, in my opinion, I'm not discrediting anything Shawn Michaels did in in the ring whatsoever. Like, he, he, he was actually penciled in, and I was going to preface it by saying he's one of the guys that I don't like personally. Mm-hmm. But I think he might belong in there. But he also, at, at the same time, he had his – his timing was bad. To me, it also resembles the Bret Hart stuff because he was he was a top guy when the business was bad. So people pointed the finger at him. Like, you know, this is why the business is bad kind of thing. And right. I, I just don't I, I just don't think that he did enough for the business. You know, I mean if you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say that he wasn't deserving in your list because he definitely is if it's your list. But in, in my opinion, I don't think he did enough for the business to be anywhere near the top ten. But I did write him, I did write him in as a performer. Absolutely, seriously. I mean, I'd be fucking stupid, <laughs> you know, to not, you know, pencil in Shawn Michaels as a performer because your criteria was bell to bell. Well, Shawn Michaels was probably the first guy I thought of. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, and and that's one that's one of the things Vince has always said about Shawn. And you know, it is what it is. Vince is presented as Vince by his company the way he wants Vince to be presented. But he always said that Shawn was a pain in the ass 
until he went through the curtain. And then when he went through the curtain, he gave me exactly what I wanted him to do. So, I mean, there's something to be said for that, too, you know. And, again, like I said, I understand where, where, where you know, you guys are coming from. But, like I said, I think a lot of it also speaks to the fact of him coming back in 2002 and him changing his, I guess, attitude or whatever. Oh, yeah. his That second chapter, that second fat chapter of his career is definitely worthy of noting. Um as far as him putting guys over and stuff. I mean, I've heard some stories from, you know, you know, Greg Helms or whoever that maybe just maybe this Christian thing isn't as 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 steadfast as Sean says it is, but regardless, whatever, you know. But yeah, definitely uh deserves to be in the conversation at least. Um Aaron fell off at some point. I don't even see him anymore. So Chad, that means you get to go next. <laughs> Uh, I got next. What number are we on? Four? I'm on five, but I have two left that nobody else has brought up yet. Well, then you haven't said them yet. Because I, I, I already said Austin, and that's my number by five. Okay. So my number four is I'm going with um, uh, an old friend of mine. <laughs> Who lives in Amarillo, Texas? Oh, God damn it, me too. <laughs> and he's going to bring out Sabu next week on TV. And, yeah. And buddy, I, I'm, like, buddy, I'm going with the same page. What's that? We are on the same page. He was my next guy, too. Terry yeah, Funk. I'm going with Terry Funk, and it's not even because of like um, the amount of championships that he's held. You know, mm-hmm. like, you know, because what was he, the NWA champion, what, twice, maybe? Two, if he was twice. Times. Yeah. Whatever, yeah. But, I mean, that was in the 70s, but just what he's done for the business. Oh, yeah. You know, just, I, you can't, there's, there's, there's nobody that I even look up to more in the business than Terry Funk, because he don't give a shit if you were the guy that's putting the ring up. If you walked over to him and said, Terry, how do I put this ring post up um, straight? <laughs> he would, he'd be like, what you gotta do, son? <laughs> and he would tell you. Like, he would have time for you. He wouldn't just go like, oh, I'm Terry Funk. Mm-hmm. And, and, and plus he headlined, he, he did the same thing Jack Briscoe did. Although he did it on a smaller schedule, but he did it his way. He mm-hmm. headlined all the territories as the NWE champion and made money and his impact and his quality of opponents, he checked all the boxes, in in my opinion. And much to what you were saying earlier about, first of all, giving back to the business, and then, I mean, educate me here, because I can't... Who has... I mean, Terry has... the As far as career span goes, do he or Lawler have the longest longevity? Uh, uh, Terry... yeah, I was gonna say it's got to be Terry or Jerry. By um, by, I think it's by like four years. Okay, I think because yeah, uh, so. Lawler Lawler started in I think seventy two, mm-hmm. and I think Terry started in like sixty eight, sixty nine, or something like that. Okay, so Terry, I mean, you, you talk about you talk about variety of opponents, variety of, of fucking decades. And yeah. putting guys over and making stars and having good matches and having good promos. I mean, that's why, like I said, I mean, Terry is definitely 
definitely up there for me. He is. Terry Funk is one of those guys that, you know, like I said, I didn't see his stuff until way later. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's two moments that made me go back and watch a lot of Terry Funk stuff. The one is during, I think it's like 97 or 98 when they're doing shotgun Saturday night and they're having the whole chainsaw Charlie versus Nick bully thing. Mm-hmm. Where Boston is like the, the hottest guy in the fucking company is like, well, I don't know if I want to face fucking Terry Funk. Cause he's a tough motherfucker. <laughs> but like the fact of watching that, uh, Beyond the ropes, or beyond the beyond the mat, beyond the mat. Thank you. When he's in there and he's talking to that fucking knee doctor, and he's like, he's like, you need surgery in your knee. He's like, well, you know, if I don't get it, how long can I go without it? Can I wrestle? He's like, you shouldn't be able to fucking walk around now. (laughs) And that's a love for your business. That's a love for what you do. I've seen it, man. I've seen it. I've seen Terry. uh, in the hotel lobbies in the break in the in the, in the morning when they offered breakfast and we all met down there, it wasn't like we had a, a um like a staff meeting or anything. It's just that we all took advantage of the fact they were offering free breakfast, mm-hmm. and we would all meet down there. <laughs> and he would he would literally walk like, you know, like like he was broken, like his knees were all fucked up, and and it was just the way it was, and and. But as soon as the bell rang, fuck. Yeah. Like, yeah, and that's you know, what I was about to say. A testament to to that is exactly what you just said. You know, that guy is a fucking professional. If you if, if I if I was at a bar and I got and I started a fight with this guy and then I saw him try to walk at me and I go, What the fuck are you gonna do, old man? <laughs> you know, and then all of a sudden, oh my god, it's you know, this guy's gonna, you know. His knees work all of a sudden. (laughs) This guy's going to beat the shit out of me. (laughs) And to sit there and hear fucking Steve Richards tell a story about like that three, that three way match at barely legal. And he's like, Mm -hmm. I don't know what I'm doing in this match. And for fucking Terry Funk to be like, you got this, Stevie. Like, you know, like. For him to give back, like, it, and this this is a this is a question for Chad that I I mean eventually one day I was going to ask it on the twenty three hundred pod, but since we're talking about Terry right now, do you think that ECW? Do you think that ECW would have been would have been able to achieve what it achieved without him? Without Terry? Yeah. Ooh. That's a that's a very good question. I'd rather much. I'd rather sh- show you my suburban commando videotape. Um, <laughs> because, wow, this is a this is a pretty. Or, because, or, okay, um, let's we'll save it for the twenty three hundred a couple of years down the line if you want. But yeah, yeah I, I mean, mean just... I mean, I mean, Terry Funk was. Um, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna guess that Terry Funk was probably a cheap fit. For Gilbert, that mm-hmm. Gilbert could probably get him on a cheaper rate, right. and plus he was already familiar with him, so he's like, "Why not go with the program that we're already doing?" So we'll we'll stick with that and see how it works. But uh, honestly, at that time, wrestling was terrible. Wrestling was awful. You're not like lying. all the <laughs> all the independents were terrible, as were were chronologically um, 
talking about on the 2300 of uh, TV shows. They're all, they're all ridiculous. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, I mean, m- maybe Terry Funk was just the right guy at the right time, but I wouldn't say Terry Funk was probably the end all be all. It, it could have been somebody else. Just, just okay. say, what if, what if Todd Gordon made a deal with the Sheik? Right. right. Or, you know, or, or Hanson, whatever, but mm-hmm. that wasn't going to happen, clearly. But yeah, you're, I mean, that's a, that's a great question. You never know. And we will get to it on the 2300 pod. <laughs> Kyle, who was next for you, buddy? I don't have a fucking list. Oh, you're done? You're out? Done. I've only got one left. And it is normally a person whose name we don't mention on the show just because of we don't want to get deep in the weeds as far as conversation about the end of his life goes. But I actually have Chris Benoit at number five on my list. Um, I think I got a problem with that. I think Benoit was. I don't know. I have times when I when I'm watching wrestling, where I don't know if I think Benoit achieved if he got better than Dynamite or not. Like, there's times in my mind where I'm like, man, he got better than Dynamite. He he got there, and but. He is he is on my list. He is on my ten. He is number five. Chris Benoit. Um, I think that Benoit got a better than Dynamite because um, Benoit learned how to not hurt people, mm-hmm. and learned how to not people on purpose. Dynamite has a reputation for being careless. Not that I've right. worked him. But I've heard stories about him being careless. Mm-hmm. And Benoit with me was was I, I, I couldn't even believe it. I, I literally I couldn't even believe it. And we'll get to that on the twenty three hundred because it comes up when I worked Benoit on ECW. But mm-hmm. yeah, I yeah, it, it's a whole different story. Like it's professionalism. I wouldn't even say it's attitude or any of that shit. It's professionalism. And Benoit learned how to just be a, a fucking wrestler. Yeah. Because he realized he had to do it tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? And in Dial My Kid didn't give a fuck if this other guy had to do it tomorrow. <laughs> I'm going to dump him on his head. And Dial My Kid was brutal, man. Oh, God. Oh, God, yeah. But Benoit, I mean, you talk about believability um, and, and almost to his detriment. I mean, when you, when you talk about his brain damage and stuff. But... And, and that's again, that's another episode. I, that's why that's why I almost hesitated to put him on the list because I don't want to get into the weeds about all that. But you I, about- I don't even I don't even give a shit about that. That mm-hmm. to me is uh is gone. It's over. Mm-hmm. It, it is what it is, and we've kind of already like closed the coffin on that case, or whatever. And right. I, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hold a grudge against Candido. I mean, against Benoit for what he did based upon his situation. And but his body of work speaks for itself, and mm-hmm. that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about him as a human being, exactly. And yeah, I mean, I just like I said, he's the after Benoit. I have Brett, Terry, which we've talked about, Henning, and Angle. So, and then Kyle said he's he's tapped out. <laughs> so, Chad, you guys, guys knocked shit off my list. <laughs> Chad, who? How many do you have left? I think I have four. Damn! If my if my last one was Austin, your last one was Funk. 
Okay, then I got three. And we um, we we already discussed that you're going to discuss Flair when you get to number one. Well, I'm, I don't even have to discuss it if, if we're running out of time. But my other my other two is my number three is I have Dusty, and then yeah. my number two is I have Lawler. All right, so we discussed Lawler because he was uh, I think he was my number eight. Dusty. Dusty was definitely, and again, like we said before, we we all used kind of different, I guess we kind of, you know, we converged on criteria, um, which I think Chad had a a much more comprehensive list than we did, Kyle, you fucking schlub. Well, I half-assed it tonight. What (laughs) Whatever. It's cool. It's cool. No, Dusty, and, and I know, Chad, you probably haven't heard the earlier episodes of the We Can't Wrestle show, but Dusty is... And again, this this list was not my favorites. This was who I thought were the best workers. Dusty's in my top five favorites. I mean, promo, charisma, fuck, Dusty fucking Rhodes, man. Well, Dusty wouldn't even be in my top five of my favorites. Oh, really? No. Oh, yeah. See, I fucking love, I love Dusty Rhodes. I love Dusty Rhodes. Terrible. (laughs) I mean, come on. I mean, the only person worse than him is the guy that he would want to team up with in a blood feud, and that's Jimmy Valiant. Oh, God. They both do <laughs> two things. It's like the bionic elbow, and as soon as you get hit, you look like you have a seizure. <laughs> they both... Yeah, come on. Like, Dusty can't even take like getting hit in the back by Paul Jones with a stupid little pool cue or whatever the fuck it is. His mm-hmm. little king, mm-hmm. and Dusty's looking like he's a, a fish out of water, and Jimmy Valiant was the same way. But it did, yeah, that wasn't my criteria. It, it was Dusty. Dusty checked all the boxes: his promos, his matches, his um, opponents that he worked, you know, and the money he drew. His booking—I I didn't include that because let's be honest. I mean, that was a bit repetitive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of holes in that booking theory that Dusty had, but but for at least ten years, Dusty was on top, like number mm-hmm. one. If it wasn't Andre in the After magazines, it was Dusty. Right. We do a fucking nice uh, in depth look at his career. Uh, I don't remember what episode it is, but it's way back when. Go back. It's it's back when these shows sounded like shit. <laughs> I was skinnier then. Oh, and the audio was terrible. But anyway, yes. Um, I would say as, Dusty... As far as, far as Lawler goes, I, I, I will defend Lawler all day long. Me too. As far as as, as, as every, every, every box that I wanted to check, he probably checked it twice. Mm-hmm. Lawler you know? is... And, and I, I, I really... There are times, and again... So at times, I don't know about you guys, but at times my wrestling fandom is fluid. You know, like there's times where I'm like, oh, this guy's the best or this guy's the best or whatever I'm in the mood for at the time. But there are actually times where, to me, Lawler's the best ever. And 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 there's other times where there's other guys or whatever, whatever my mood's fitting. But, I mean, Lawler, like you said, Chad, he checks every box twice over. Lawler is, it, he was so good. He was so good. And he was good at, he was good at, at everything you needed to be in wrestling 
in the ring, out of the ring, behind the scenes. And and that's a whole nother episode just talking about Lawler. But I, I was just watching a match the other day of, of Lawler, him and Ken Patera. Mm-hmm. Dude, he got a, he got a great match out of Ken Patera. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, <laughs> I mean, who else can say that? A van. Ken Patera yeah. and a Ken Patera and a van have a pretty good match on Tuesday Night Titans, but yeah, no. I, shit. I, I watched that match and I'm like, well, goddamn, Ken Patera could kill Lawler, you know, <laughs> if he wanted to. But crap. Lawler's paying him, so he's got to sell for him. And I'm like, goddamn, if he ain't fucking, he's bumping around like he's a pinball for Lawler, and 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 actually Lawler put him over in that match because that was where he he dropped the belt. And then Lawler had to come back and beat him. And that's when mm-hmm. you see the Lawler video of him killing Patera. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, I am the warrior. Mm-hmm. It's where he beats up he beats up Patera and Jesse Ventura. And it's almost like a Jesus Christ. Well, and to speak to the credit of fucking Jerry Lawler, like the fact is that what was the rest of the nation chamber going into WrestleMania 27 when he has that match against the Miz? Like you fucking like I was on the edge of my seat, like, come on, fucking Lawler, you can do this, man. You can win the fucking title. Yeah, I mean, Lawler was always the guy that you can never discredit. Because mm-hmm. even even when he was 100 years old, or now that he's 100 years old, you can never, <laughs> you can never, you can always find a way to put him over. Because I remember um, many, many years ago, I was uh, listening to the radio and I called into a radio show and I was competing for um, it was uh, I was getting I was going to get on a, on a bus that goes to Hooters. And then after we go to Hooters, we were going to a Monday Night Raw show at the arena in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And I, I took my girlfriend at the time and I was like, well, I really don't want to go to the show. I just want to go to Hooters. And then, then we got on the bus and we went to the we went to the show and we got there. It was Lawler's birthday, oh. and they asked him if he had one match he could he could wrestle. Who would he want to wrestle? And he said, "I want to wrestle Ric Flair." And I was literally the only guy in the building who jumped up and we started dancing in the aisles, going, "Oh my God, I'm going to see Ric Flair against Jay Lawler." Uh. it's only <laughs> happened one time before. My God, you know, <laughs> and I'm glad that you're. I'm glad that your night at fucking Hooters ended better than like the time that I went to Hooters. Because <laughs> no, hold on, let me share a story here. So for my bachelor party, uh, for all for everybody needs to know, I'm fucking married and divorced twice. One more. I was going to say, Kyle, which bachelor party? One more, and I'll be a fucking blues player. So it is what it is. <laughs> but fucking no. So we we fucking go to see social distortion at Pierre's, which is a club here in this area, and we go to Hoot's after, and then someone says strip club. Never, under any circumstances, go to a strip club where you know strippers there and tell them <laughs> party because they will pull you on stage, beat the fuck out of you, rip your fucking underwear and your shirt off and you'll walk you up the next day going the fuck happened <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah but so I think that about does it 
I want to say real quick before we before we go, Ed, it's been an honor, man, to talk to you. Thank you for fucking everything that you've done to entertain Hopefully this isn't the last time we get to talk, because like I said, I've enjoyed it. And as it goes, that is what it is. We have discussed the best workers of all time, our opinions, and of course the opinion of Chad Austin from ECW. And of course, and Kyle, you and I will attest to this, check out the 2300 pod. If you've enjoyed Chad Austin here tonight, like I said, go go subscribe and listen to the 2300 where it is a deep dive week by week of ECW. And boy, these, these opening weeks are rough, buddy. These I, opening weeks are rough. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, Nate, I, I've been following along, man, with the podcast watching. <laughs> Ooh, buddy. <laughs> so bad for you at all, man. Um, I think I think Chad and Aaron have gone to bed for the evening. Yes, yes, so they have. It is it is us two here at the very end. Um, for all those guys who are still listening, um, Nate Nate is smoking. I'm smoking, so we're gonna fucking keep going for a few seconds here and kind of just talk. I was just about to say. I guess as far as the We Can't Wrestle podcast, we're the two best workers in the business. We'll go fucking, we'll go three hours. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. I want, I want it on the record right here, right now, that I've been drinking since fucking seven o'clock tonight, and I haven't passed out, Aaron. And guys, it is 12.30 a.m. as we are yeah. recording this. So, motherfucker, don't, don't, don't talk shit <laughs> to me. I like the Energizer Bunny. But that being said, Kyle, thank you for joining me. I appreciate it as always. It's been his honor. Like I said, it's been very cool to talk to Chad Austin and hear his take. Like I said, very, very few times do we get to hear. I'm, I'm just going to say this right now. Like, I know that there's plenty of other podcasts out there that you could listen to and stuff. And I, and I get it and they have guests on and stuff and everything else. But if, if nothing else, guys, I hope you've seen tonight that like with Chad Austin, he's not PC. Nope. (laughs) Line like this dude is going to tell you how it fucking is from his viewpoint. Like, like when he shit on my Ric Flair being number seven. This is true. It's been very cool to have a guy who has been in the ring with some mm-hmm. of the greatest of all time and been around some of the greatest of all time do to be able to, you know, do the 2300 podcast and do, you know, the show with us and stuff and everything else. And I do want to say um, a quick shout out to uh, the Motley Soup. You guys are doing a lot of cool shit now. Uh, yeah, of, buddy. A lot of live videos. Um, they are very fun. They are very cool. Check out the Motley Soup podcast. 
for all your non-wrestling stuff, like I said, and go to their Facebook page, man, because they're on like every almost every weekend, and they're doing stuff is like they're doing the uh, what what's the what's the challenge you guys are doing now? The couples challenge, the adventure challenge, yes, yeah. adventurechallenge.com. If you go there right now, adventurechallenge.com, make sure you go to adventurechallenge.com backslash motley soup. Because that 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 throws us that throws us some monies. Um, but if you're if you are in a relationship, they have one for that, which Kendall and I are doing now. Or if you're I mean, if you're a single person, just with buddies or whatever, they have they have friend challenges. They have they have all kind of different things you can do. And we're we're progressing through that. We did the first one this week, and um, it's fun. It's exciting. It's a cool thing to do. Um, they give you, you know, okay. So in this challenge, you're gonna spend this much money, this much time. Whether it has food involved, whether it has going outdoors involved, et cetera, et cetera. It's it's really cool. It's you know, like Kindle bought the book. I was like, eh, what is this? What is this I have to do? And then once we got into it, I was like, this is fucking cool. You know, it's just something we can do together and uh, enjoy with our viewers and listeners. And we really appreciate you guys. Speaking of listeners, if you have not yet joined the We Can't Wrestle Facebook group, do that. We're we're trying to get to 400. We're actually at, uh, what, 302, I think. We're, we're 98 away. Uh, we've gained... 50-something members in the month of October. We have five days left as we're recording this to get to 400, and I'm going to give away a replica Ring of Honor World Television Championship, which Archie Mitchell, I know, will do a randomizer for me for that. But seriously, guys, join the communities, The Motley Soup, 2300, The We Can't Wrestle Podcast. Get in there. Have some fun. We have We do some great shit. It's really a blast. And uh, I will say this, as, uh, you know, Kindle, of course, Motley Soup, et cetera, et cetera. But as far as the We Can't Wrestle podcast, Aaron and Kyle have been here with me since the beginning. And I know they will both be with here with me, even though Aaron signed off an hour ago. Hey. They'll Are be with me to the end of this shit. And we're having fun. And it's great. It's a great experience. And We Can't Wrestle at 2300 is, for me as a wrestling fan, it's the joy of my life. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you, like, being a wrestling fan, to sit there and get an insight, you know, you into this. Like, seriously, guys, I, I, I know we're going a little long here, but I want, I want to say this. Like, think about it. If you guys go to, like, the 2300 Facebook page right now, you can ask Chad Austin, a guy mm-hmm. who has been in the ring, any questions you've Ever wanted to ask a pro wrestler? Yeah, I mean, dude, Chad Austin is a pretty good dude. Like, you know, like that's the thing I gotta say. Like, there's many, there's many podcasts out there, but I'm gonna say right now with the Motley Soup 2300, with World Championship Customs, with the Asylum, the Asylum, the the Training Chops page, you are never gonna meet a better group of people. Absolutely. And that being said, we'll do our sign off. Kyle, say goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. Like I said, go show Archie Mitchell some love. If you need any customs made, this this dude busted his 
asked to make a Saba Simba. <laughs> go check it out, man. It is pretty fucking badass. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Brother Archie Mitchell, Kyle Army, Aaron Maxson, and of course, Chad Austin. And we will see you next time around on the We Can't Wrestle podcast. And I'm just going to leave it with this. The last words is it's going to be a doozy because we're going to check out UWF. Oh. <laughs> oh. We need to stop letting Aaron pick this shit. It's definitely going to be fun, though. It's the, uh, what is it, the beach brawl or brawl something. The blackjack brawl, that's what it is. The Yeah, the blackjack brawl is our next shit coming down in the We Can't Wrestle podcast. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us, and we will see you next time around.